0: Your father lived by a philosophy, a principle right
1: I just thought I remembered somebody saying last week that her fantasy was to live in a chocolate house.
0: Well, that's impractical. Why that an the sudden interest in the code money? All these souls,
2: lost and alone, I can save them, I can cure them. Easy, footboy. boy. My weakness in small
3: lives. Please, just tell him i the of down here! What's
0: your name?
2: Yeah, Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. Uh, I am your host, Peaches. What? And uh, today we have a, a sort of different situation here. We are Eduardo-less, but it's okay, because I have assembled an alliterative army of amazing people to help cover for eduardo wow. we've got robbie we've got chris and we've got angelo what's up everybody hey Peach. how's it doing
3: of all
0: the marvel movies in all the world i have to walk into this podcast
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, we thought you loved this one come on
0: I had to wake up early to fit in watching this movie before we record and...
2: (laughs) She
1: hates waking up enough as it is, but to wake up knowing that you're waking up specifically to watch The Amazing
2: Spider-Man... I'm
0: so salty about it. What a terrible
2: feeling. It could be worse. It could have been Amazing Spider-Man 2 that you woke up early to watch. That is true.
3: You're making me feel so much like... This is all going to be worth it hearing you talk about this movie.
2: Yeah, you know... (laughs) I've already spoiled myself looking at notes. I, I... I... so, obviously, Eduardo's not here on this one. Um, but I feel like I took on the role of Eduardo today even more than everybody realizes because I think I would have been okay if I woke up early to watch this movie. But that's not the point. Listeners, we are talking about The Amazing Spider Man, The Andrew Garfield, first movie in the duo supposed to be trilogy. Uh, but before we get started, just want to thank you for listening. Um, you know, we couldn't do this show without y'all. So, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you would like to take that support to a next level, uh, of course we've got the Patreon, patreoncom required. Um, if you're feeling super extra generous and you want to send some love our way, that's where you can find us. Um, before we get too much into our our fun, <laughs> our fun details on the movie and our, our opinions and fun stuff, I think Robbie has some some production stuff, right? Yeah,
3: yeah. I just was gonna and and. Lord, family, if y'all have anything to add, interrupt me. But just real quick, the background of, of Amazing Spider-Man uh, is basically the story of Spider-Man 4. So we finished Spider-Man 3 last week, and they began production or, or pre-production on Spider-Man 4 immediately after Spider-Man 3. We talked about it made a lot of money, um, but we also talked about it did not set up the franchise very well to continue. Uh, so Spider-Man 4 ended up being in development hell mostly because they could not get a script together that everyone was happy with. And uh, there was a lot of talk about, who huh, was it John Malkovich is the Vulture? Um, they had Sandman alive, but uh, couldn't really get to where they wanted Spider-Man Four. So eventually, uh, Columbia Pictures and Sony just said, nope, we're rebooting it. We're just going to completely reboot Spider-Man, make a new Spider-Man. Uh, and there were a couple big influences here um, that we'll talk about through the, the episode. But two things caused them to want to revisit how they were doing Spider-Man. Uh, one was the success of the Twilight movies, and there was a lot of talk at the time. Although I could not find a really good quote on it, but there was a lot of talk at the time about you know wanting to get the Twilight audience a superhero movie for the Twilight audience, which is that's neat. That's and... Twilight, though, isn't it? I mean, I haven't. <laughs> <Right>? Twilight, but...
1: <laughs> it's about vampires and werewolves with powers and strengths and abilities. Yeah.
2: What can we? That's do? a superhero
1: movie for Twilight fans.
2: <laughs> Yeah, haven't you seen the baseball scene? They play like they're all jacked up. Yeah. When are
3: we going to get the Fifty Shades of Grey of the Spider-Man franchise? Um, so an
1: unauthorized that. fan fiction about Spider-Man. That you know that exists. Thing.
3: Oh yeah. Um, and then the other thing was
1: I have lots of thwips and chains.
3: The other thing was the success of the MCU. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, you just got it. <laughs> <laughs> Help me. <sighs>
1: Norman Osborn, my tastes are unusual!
2: (laughs) Impressive!
3: (laughs) Oh my god, help me. I can't. This is is all you, Robbie. The other thing that influenced this uh, was the success of the MCU was starting up at that point, point. we know at this point Spider-Man was not playing nice, Sony and Spider-Man were not playing nice with the MCU um, with no intention to do so, so they thought, well, we'll just start our own Spider-Man universe, which is... With
1: Blackjack and hookers.
3: Not really.
2: (laughs) Forget the whole thing.
3: So anyway, they needed to reboot so they could satisfy those two things, and that's what they did. And Uh, I would
1: like to interject, they also needed to reboot so they wouldn't lose the rights to Spider-Man.
3: Yes, you know, thanks for... I did not put that in, and yeah, that's a big, big important part of this, is they were really close to losing the rights to Spider-Man, so they needed to get moving, and if it wasn't going to be Spider-Man 4, it was going to be a new franchise. So that's and what we I got here. I think that
1: was part of what colored my reaction to this movie at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was very much a, no pun intended, craven attempt at a... Um, <sighs> Intend your puns, you coward. And <laughs> <laughs> holding on to the rights. Well, uh, much like Um Yeah.
3: <laughs> Agreed. And, and I feel like... That's something that might come up as we talk about this, but that's kind of, as I watch this movie, I'm kind of taken out of it because this movie just feels like a business decision. Mm-hmm. Um, a business decision with good actors, but a business decision.
1: Yeah, I um, don't love this movie, spoilers, but I feel like my opinion on it softened <clears throat> a little bit knowing that just a few years later, we would get MCU's yeah. Spider-Man. Yes. So yeah. it's like, okay, you know, if this had succeeded and gone on and spawned an awful franchise mm-hmm. and we hadn't gotten Spider-Man in Infinity War... You know, mm-hmm. I would have been real sad. But since everything worked out in the end, right. I could kind of revisit this movie with fresh eyes, and turns out the things I hated about that movie, I still hate, but yeah. there are some good things, too. We'll get there.
3: Yeah, uh, We signed Mark Webb to be the director. Uh, he had just finished his debut movie, or released his debut movie, 500 Days of Summer. Uh, Webb! So a...
2: I would like every movie from now on has <laughs> to be directed by a person whose last name coincides with the movie in a in a fun way why isn't that a a requirement jeremy
3: irons for director for the uh iron man iron man movies (laughs) um robin sparkles directed twilight so i have not seen 500 days of summer i have heard it is a very good uh romantic movie um i'm not sure how much it would make you think yeah Superhero movie, yes, but yeah, okay. Uh, that's where they went. You know, they signed Andrew Garfield to play Peter Parker. They signed Emma Stone to play Gwen Stacy, choosing to do a Gwen Stacy story rather than a Mary Jane story. That's that's a good call, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, let's see, through editing, there were not a whole lot to talk about with the production of this movie, uh, but there were two things that were edited out of the movie, uh, one of which has was released and one of which wasn't, uh, that I think are significant to the final cut of the film. Um, One was, okay, we have the scene where the lizard attacks the bridge, and he goes for Rajit Ratha and um, attacks his car. In the movie we have, um, Ratha gets out of the car, and we never see him again, and so it ends up being kind of weird. Well, in the original cut of the film, the lizard takes Ratha prisoner from that moment, uh, which kind of, I think, makes the bridge scene more important. Uh, There is a scene, and this was used in the trailer, there's a scene where Peter then finds Ratha in the lizard's lab and uh, Rotha says, did you think what happened to you was an accident, Peter? Because there's this whole... They're setting up this whole story where, uh, and this is something they have talked about, but where Peter's DNA was encoded to become Spider-Man once bitten by a spider. Uh, so that was supposed to be part of the plot, is that the reason this worked on Peter is because it was supposed to. And this was all a, a big, complicated plan to test the the... Yeah, go.
2: Do you know what? That sounds crazy when you say it, but if you think about that lab and when Peter Parker went into the room with all the spiders, what do you think the odds are that anybody that ever walked in or out of that room didn't get bit by a spider? There were so many in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah There yeah. were so many spiders. Also yeah. that scene made me just Yeah, I did yeah. Not, shiver did a not lot. Care for that. Same. Yeah,
3: it's just there was a lot of there was a lot of wanting to do a lot of world building and a lot of mystery box in this film. And then they kept some of that in, pulled some of it out and we can discuss whether or not that made it more or less complicated or hard to follow. Uh, And then there's another deleted scene where the lizard then bites Ratha's head off. Um,
2: Yes. Yep. Instead he just disappears. That tracks with the twilight audience. You know, there's that scene at the end of one of the movies where the vision of the fight and the head mm-hmm. comes off. I don't know. that I just watched a synopsis like two days ago. I'm not going to go into that with you.
3: The Lego. <laughs> We're not talking about it. The Lego. Um, the Oscorp Lego set came with lizard cops uh, because there was originally going to be a sequence where the cops that get turned into lizards are wreaking havoc on the city, uh, and that was uh, going to sort of expand the scale of what was going on in the film. So. When Spider-Man puts in the antidote in this film, we have referenced that the lizard is spreading a biochemical across the city, but we don't really ever see what's happening much. We see a couple of people start transforming and then never see them again, but then we spread the antidote across the city. There was originally supposed to be havoc, particularly SWAT lizards wreaking havoc on the city, and that was supposed to add more stakes to what was going on in Oscorp, but they decided to cut that out to make the film more... This is going to come up a lot, I think. They really wanted this film to be very, very insulated on Connors, Gwen, Peter, and not any sort of bigger world, just these two people and their story. And That's so they, interesting. Interesting is, is a word for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is not the critical part of the podcast. This is the me reading off facts part of the podcast.
1: <laughs> you know, another uh, <laughs> reference in that Lego set uh, to the scene is that you can take mm-hmm. the Lego Rogers head off.
2: Okay. Wow, foreshadowing—that's an Easter egg I heard.
3: <laughs> uh, speaking of foreshadowing, anyone catch the, the 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 super close zoom in on the clock tower when Peter and Gwen swing past it? Okay, cool. Oh,
2: never mind. yeah, I guess
1: it did. I... Yeah,
3: yeah, that—I'd never caught that.
2: How could that be foreshadowing?
3: Uh, okay. The movie was successful, though. Released in two thousand twelve, um, it made seven hundred and fifty eight million. Okay, so that's. Less than any of the Raimi films, which I think is important, but it's also the highest grossing reboot reboot ever. So, still, good for it. Still, to this which, day. Apparently still, although... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. So, that's neat. Uh, and it has a 73% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So, this movie was not a disaster. Um, it was a reasonably successful movie. Um, I don't know if when you're trying to reboot Spider-Man and compete with the MCU, that's the success you want but it was objectively a successful movie um,
2: i am sort of surprised that it didn't make more than those because i would assume that a lot of the people that went out to see this movie were probably like yeah i loved what they were trying to do and let's hope they did it better let's go watch the movie so you know how maybe there's about some super... just die hard toby stands out there you know how we talk about a lot how superhero fatigue is a stupid term yes
3: I don't know that it was superhero fatigue, but it might've been superhero fatigue or it might've just been a, Hey, look at these better film superhero films. This other studio is doing. Why am I going to watch this? We know he's not connected to that Avengers movie. I like, so who cares? Well, and
0: I can say as a viewer back then, when this came out, I thought when I heard this movie was coming out, I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. Like I think in a way I, and keep in mind, I have no, you know, I've, never read the comics. I was not, you know, all I knew was that I really enjoyed the Raimi films. I mean, I knew the third one was like, Neh. but I still really loved Toby Maguire's Spider-Man and, you know, a lot that had been done in those three movies. So then when I heard this was coming out, I was just like, why? That's dumb. They already have a great Spider-Man and they're redoing it. Why? Like for what purpose? And I just was so like, just ticked off by it that I I didn't even go to see it in theaters like I didn't want to waste my money I ended up watching it on tv at some point but I think I fell asleep during it (laughs) so you know I just uh, I I don't know I almost think I had like don't get mad at me for saying this but like spider-man fatigue because I was just like they're doing it again and they're doing the origin story again that we already know and they're you know
3: yeah. So yeah, I, I, had...
0: I was not thrilled about it when I when I heard about it coming out.
3: So from my perspective of someone who did like the comics, absolutely had all the exact same thoughts as you, except I then went and spent a ticket because of almost like a Spider-Man fan obligation to do it anyway. <laughs> uh, I did not spend a ticket
2: on the sequel. Clearly so that y'all got, don't that have... that got beaten out of me. Clearly y'all don't have a crush on Emma Stone like I do. Oh, I do. Oh, I do. Oh, I do. <laughs> So I great. loved
0: Easy A. Like, she's brilliant.
2: I almost want to see <laughs> like right.
0: She's brilliant. I love her. So, like, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, but mm-hmm. unfortunately at that time, like, it just, even her being in it was not enough to get mm-hmm. me to go see it.
2: I guess it Agreed. wasn't that clear then. Okay, so. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, actually, one
1: more thing to talk yeah. about the production. Uh, yeah. I think back when the uh, Sony emails leaked, uh, were leaked by North Korea. Right. Uh, weren't there discussions of possibly putting? It was either putting Avengers Tower in the background of this or Amazing Spider-Man Two, because I can't remember if this came out before or after Avengers because this was also 2012.
3: Right? I think it was Spider Amazing Spider-Man Two, but yeah, right, you're right. Yeah.
2: Did they want to have that vague like just in case connection to the MCU if they ever decided yeah. to keep using Garfield?
1: And it's a good thing that fell through, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I actually wanted to derail one more time before we got no, into the, the meat of this because I quickly browsed through the notes and I'm not seeing anything about it. So I'm just curious, obviously, because this is a Spider-Man story, this is based on comics, but is there is there any like specific comic that you guys know of in general, specific run, that this version of Peter is more based on?
3: I think it takes a lot from, and I think they even admitted this, um, but I don't want to make up a quote. Just because um, he
2: feels so different, That's I think. I'm
3: it, I think they took this very heavily from the first few issues of Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm. Um, if they, it feels a lot like their first few issues of Ultimate Spider-Man, right down to the Lizard's um, school attack. Feels a lot like the Green Goblin's school attack. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they took
1: heavily. I did read those a while ago, and you're, you're I, absolutely right. I don't think I made one, the connection then, right. but
3: one thing I did see is they talked about. This Gwen Stacy... this is weird. This Gwen Stacy is ultimate Mary Jane. Um and absolutely this Gwen Stacy mm-hmm. is ultimate Mary Jane. Um,
2: which is like, it's fine,
3: whatever. Like it cop
2: dad situation or
3: uh no, not the cop oh, that, not the that's dad. That's Gwen Stacy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just the personality, her high school relationship with Peter. Um, it it feels very much like the Mary Jane. And the Mary Jane Peter Parker relationship in Ultimate Spider-Man is done better than this it's a fantastic part of those comics but that's what they were going with they were going for and, and they even said this they're they took 1960s uh, gwen stacy artwork and put 2000s mary jane personality into that artwork which is whatever i'm not complaining that's just what they did
2: coats of paint Got yes. It. Yeah, Rob, Robbie
1: never complains about them changing Mary Jane's personality. Anyway, um <laughs> I have a question actually about Peter Parker's parents.
2: Mm-hmm. Peter Parker's picked a parent's pepper.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I am not a hundred percent familiar with this, but I believe in the comics, wasn't it eventually revealed that his parents
3: were like SHIELD agents? I believe so. They were some sort of secret agents. Yeah, um, because he
1: has like a he has like a secret as about, well. Yeah. Because, when I was reading the Spectacular Spider-Man uh, comics, the more recent ones by Chip Zdarsky, uh, which I've recommended, I think a couple times, uh, part of that is he reunites with his sister, who was introduced in a previous graphic novel, uh, where where they talk about his parents being shield agents. So I'm I'm assuming that that's partially they where they took the idea of his parents being secret research people, or uh, for this movie. Uh, cause I just remember thinking watching this movie it was weird. I'd never really thought too much about Peter's parents.
3: Also not shield CIA,
1: CIA. Okay.
3: But yes, you're correct. Yeah. And that's so, so there have been stories that put a lot of importance on Peter's parents through the years because there's thousands of comics. Um, but that was something this movie did different, which was how much importance in this small story, mm-hmm. um, it gave to Peter's parents. It gave them a lot more importance than is typical in the mythos.
2: I kind of liked it, All
1: right. and I have one more derailment before we get started.
3: No, you don't. You have many.
1: Derail us, bro. Did you know that once um, a giantess named scotty approached the Norse gods, and uh, her her father had been slain by the Norse gods, and she demanded vengeance. So they managed to negotiate it down that she would get reparations instead of you know having to kill the gods. So the first was she got to choose uh, whatever husband she wanted, but she had to pick him by his feet alone. The second was memorializing her father's eyes in the stars. But the third one was that they needed to make her laugh. They tried. Nothing could make her laugh. But then finally, our hero Loki showed up and he brought out a goat. He tied a rope to the goat. He tied the other end of the rope to his testicles. And he played tug of war with that goat. The goat screamed. Loki screamed. They were in pain. Loki fell down. It made the giantess laugh. And so that's your Norse mythology fact for today's Spider-Man episode.
2: Well, that about wraps up this episode. So I, I really hope that we see this <laughs> I love that.
1: in Loki, the Disney Plus series, coming up soon.
2: Well, he might time travel to that period. Yeah. Who knows? All right, let's do this. Let's do this. So, Amazing Spider-Man 2012. Getting right into it, we don't have a long credit sequence. What's happening? We learned something. Uh, But we're going to open... It was still
1: full of webs, though.
2: It was. Not just the director credit. (laughs) Mark Webb. CGI webs. Not Madam Webb. During a game of hide-and-seek, young Peter Parker finds his father Richard's office broken into. Egad. Richard frantically erases his work somehow having to do with spiders and he and his wife Mary take Peter away to stay with his Aunt May and Uncle Ben.
1: I'm saying this is how the new Tomb Raider games begin, I think, as well.
2: With Richard Parker?
1: Well, with her father's office being broken into while she's playing hide and seek or something like that, right? You played it, I didn't. Maybe they took Uh, inspiration.
0: I think she kind of walked in on him like committing suicide. Well, what she thought was committing suicide. Oh, that's
2: different. That's way different. Okay. Flash forward to high school. Peter Parker, where he is a photographer for the school news. He stumbles upon Flash beating some kid up and refuses to take a picture of it. Good for you, Peter. And eventually, classmate Gwen Stacy stops the fight and the two connect afterward. What a nice thing. Still living with his Aunt May and Uncle Ben, Peter helps Ben repair a leaky AC in the basement. And when he does so, he finds a briefcase belonging to his long lost father, a photo of Richard Parker's associate, Kurt Connors, with the briefcase. He also finds hidden research of his father's, with Uncle Ben's help, tracks down information about Dr. Connors, heading to his employer Oscorp for information. Curious. At Oscorp, Peter pretends to be an intern to get into a tour, led by Gwen, was Ricardo? (laughs) Yeah, where's your name tag, bro? They're introduced to Connors who explains his research into cross-species genetics to progress medical science, including hopefully to regrow his missing arm after an awkward
1: uh, uh, two things. It's really weird that the, he calls himself the world's foremost herpetologist. The world's foremost herpetologist not be working at a biotech company. (laughs) Be working at a university or like a zoo or something or a reptile. So that was weird. And, uh, you know the special effects that they used to uh, make his arm, make it look like he didn't have an arm? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually an ancient technique that was passed down through song. The green sleeves.
2: Help. I expected at some point somebody to say a reptile dysfunction. I did not expect anyone <laughs> to say green sleeves. <laughs> uh, after an awkward conversation, speaking of awkward conversations, with Gwen... Peter follows an executive carrying symbols that match some of his father's paperwork. Ooh. He stumbles into a lab where he finds machines making small cartridges of tensile strength, spider web like material and a room full of nightmare fuel and spiders. And one of them bites him on the back of the neck. Ugh. Uh. (laughs) ugh. I don't want to think about that scene anymore (laughs) on the subway ride home. Peter starts to manifest his spider-like abilities we've talked about several times: uh, enhanced strength, agility, wall crawling. Peter tingle, uh, <laughs> ripping off the bar on a subway and accidentally smacking twelve people in the face with it.
3: <laughs> I thought know. this
1: scene was actually kind of fun. Yeah, it's
2: yeah, it funny, is. but like none of those people were actually bad
3: guys, <laughs> right? Peter yeah. is in the wrong. Peter, <laughs> granted, it's an accident, but. But Peter rips a woman's shirt off on the subway. Like, he's in the wrong in this story. In this oh, story. Yeah, yeah,
2: we're going yeah. to talk about it. But at this point, I still like Peter. And although mm-hmm. he is he's accidentally, like, beating the crap out of all these just subway denizens, every mm-hmm. time he hits one of them, he's like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But it's weird that some of his spider sense reactions are to attack them. Like, a lot of cases he's dodging. But a couple times I noticed... Um, A guy like lunges at him to try and stop him from hitting people, and he does a flip and then kicks him. Like, Why'd you have to kick him? Why wouldn't you just avoid him? That's a good point. Kind of weird. After the struggle with his abilities, Peter goes home to the home of Kirk Connors and introduces himself. Connors explains that his research has come to a standstill since Richard disappeared, and he apologizes for staying away from the Parkers since then. Which is, I guess, kind of weird because... They weren't really that close. Yeah. Realizing yeah. the realizing the spider that bit him was part of the cross species genetics program, Peter shows Connors the solution to the algorithm that has caused his dead ends at Oscorp. At school, Peter humiliates Flash. Oh, I hate this scene. Mm-hmm. Humiliates Flash in basketball practice. And if Eduardo was here, <laughs> we would make you say Shaquille O'Neals the backboard. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I also just read whatever's on the teleprompter. <laughs> Eduardo, we need a sound clip of you saying Shaquille O'Neal's the backboard, please. Get on that. Peter's called by the pr- into the principal's office with Uncle Ben, causing friction between the two. He run- runs into Gwen afterwards and really awkwardly, also successfully, <laughs> asks her on a date after yeah, Ben It Makes no sense. They don't even actually say words. They just... Yep. So do you want to... Mm-hmm. maybe we can chris i feel like and then real I'm quick, just gonna pass first date this ends you. up
3: being dinner with her parents yeah that's uh,
2: right. so. uh, okay uh, which uh. is which is normal possibly in high school in high school that kind of makes sense because like what else if you don't if you don't have a way to get around or you live in a huge city and you know your dad's a cop and probably wants to interrogate all your boyfriends what else are you gonna do chris take it away You've got some thoughts about high school drama, and it's playing out pretty well so far in this. Yeah, movie.
1: you know the, the the things about this movie that I do like, and and I think Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone play off of each other well. I think they had you know good chemistry and all that. It and I almost would like to see a version of this movie that's not Spider Man at all, no superheroes, just you know a high school drama. I mean, it wouldn't be my kind of movie, but I think that they would have done a good job if they this had been like a high school romantic dramedy about Andrew Garfield's character and Emma Stone's character. We won't call them Peter and Gwen in this alternate universe, you know, because, you know, those parts are, are done pretty well. And it looks like they were trying to go with, and I think this is why they got a guy who was most famous for directing a romantic comedy uh, to direct this movie. They were trying to find that balance of a Spider-Man movie with high school issues as well. Meeting your girlfriend's parents and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think they necessarily pulled it off. And I think it's interesting that Spider-Man Homecoming came along just a few years later. And they uh, they did. <laughs> Where I think part of it is that Vulture's plot is smaller than Lizard's plot. Which is turning the world into Lizard's. Which is a crazy plot. They actually in in especially compared to other MCU films and other superhero films in general, Spider-Man: Homecoming is about Spider-Man stopping a crook. He's a he's a guy who's trying to steal stuff. Granted, he's got flying wings and he's trying to steal from the Avengers, but it is still Spider-Man trying to stop a gang, you know, a gang of thieves, and having a bit of a smaller scale allows you to really feel like the high school issues of oh i have a crush on this girl and i'm not doing well because i'm being distracted by my spider-man duties uh and and i'm messing up school because of this i'm letting down the academic team and all that other stuff uh it it feels almost like an equal footing part of the same story where as this almost feels like in some places two stories stapled together and I know we talked about this on the Homecoming episode, but the reveal that his girlfriend's dad is also the bad guy is the perfect way to link those stories. And in this, the reveal that the his girlfriend's mentor is the bad guy doesn't quite work as well. So yeah, I, I see what they're going for, and it's a good instinct, and I think it was pulled off much better uh, five years later.
2: If you want a superhero-less um, high school love dramedy, you're going to really love Next Week, I think. <laughs>
1: oh, God. Oh, no.
2: I, I'm i not going to argue with you on Homecoming because I, I agree with you with everything that you just said. I also think, though... I think this movie does a better job with that than... I don't know. I think I, I disagree with you on it because, um, you know, when I think about how I felt before this rewatch, I remember thinking Amazing Spider-Man, uh, really good, uh, people give it credit for being a bad movie, but that doesn't make sense to me. But Amazing Spider-Man 2 was basically a rom-com and I hated it. But rewatching this, I still liked the movie. I don't... I, I have some some qualms with it, but I still liked it. But I also realized in this rewatch specifically that it is a lot more of a romance than I remembered it being like, there are a lot of moments that are just between, and they're not all great, but there are a lot of moments between Peter and Gwen that are like, this is the setup of a, of a romantic comedy that just also happens to involve, uh, a bad guy that went from zero to 10 real quick. Um, and we could talk yes. about Kurt Connors, too, because the more I think about it, his whole arc doesn't really make sense to me. But I don't know. I, th- I think it did a fine job. Um, but, you know, I, I don't... I guess I'm just arguing with you because someone has to argue with you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, when Soundlord brought this up before the show, he thought I was going to disagree with him on this because I don't love Homecoming as much as y'all. But I actually I completely agree with you. Homecoming does it way 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 better um this movie just like peaches said is more of a star-crossed lover high school dramedy with some superhero stuff than a superhero movie i think spider-man's personal life is important to his story like that's always that's spectacular spider-man started to focus more on peter parker than spider-man like that's a thing um that said both films spend a bit more time on the high school stuff than i want from my superhero movie but homecoming does a way better job of it it is way more interesting it is not as awkward and weird as it is here it doesn't feel forced like trying to go after a target audience as it does in this movie um and that's again like we're going to keep saying it's nothing has nothing to do with the actors here who are fantastic um it has to do with what they were given and then exactly like like someone said as i watched this film i a lot of it is like, what is not sitting right with me? I have trouble putting my finger on what's sitting right with me. The stapled together stories, like you just said, I think that's part of it. I think it's that this is almost more like Mark Webb had a dr- romantic dramedy in mind, and, but he had to have a supervillain somewhere. And, so, and then also here's the lizard. And that's what it feels like. It feels like that was an afterthought to his film. The forethought of his film is the high school relationship between Peter and Gwen. And not only do I not want to watch that movie, that movie can exist, but that's not what I want from a Spider-Man movie. Um, that's more an objective thing, or a subjective thing. My more objective thing is also it ends up just being uncomfortable on screen in a way that Homecoming was not.
1: Yeah. Yes. And that comes down to, I don't know when we'll talk about this, but I think that comes down
3: to Peter Parker. And I think that's a lot of it, yes. I we, it that we'll be
2: talking now. about it. A lot of thoughts about
0: that.
2: Oh yeah, I think we are. <laughs> we're <all> going to <laughs> get into that one.
3: Yeah. Speaking of high school dramedy. I'm back and forth on this Flash. We talked about in other episodes like how accurate we've been about Flash. This Flash just being a straight-up monster is not accurate. But then then at the end, when he starts to get along with people and is a Spider-Man fan, that is kind of accurate. I don't know. I'm torn you on know, this Flash.
2: But. You know those images where you, t- you have one face on the left and a different face on the right, and you, like, mm-hmm. watch the transformation of one face to the other face. That's, like, this movie's Flash Thompson. Like, he starts off, like, the Flash from the Raimi films, and he ends up, like, the Flash from the yes. Tom Holland films, mm-hmm. and it's all done in the same movie. And that's mm, right. what that's why the basketball scene is so uncomfortable to me, because he starts off a complete jerk, like a bully... He stops being completely mean to Peter after that, like, yo, you've earned my respect, bro. You I know we went to the principal's office, but you showed me up. So I'll treat you with some more respect. And then, and then Ben dies and flash changes a little bit more. And he's like, yo man, I'm sorry. Like, Mm -hmm. first of all, you don't need to wait for somebody to, to have a tragedy occur in their life to be nice to them. Flash. That's, but also, it's like his character is changing and then by the end, he is exactly like you just said, Robbie. He's like mm-hmm. Homecoming Flash, where he's like, mm-hmm. ah, the ladies love Spider-Man. I'm wearing his jersey. Is I wearing jersey? <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, is one of my favorite defining traits of
3: core Flash uh, of source material Flash Thompson is, hates Peter Parker. It doesn't hate Peter Parker, but is annoyed by Peter Parker's existence. Loves Spider-Man. Really like that that made its way to the MCU because that is one of my favorite, and they kind of hint at it here.
2: Yeah. We're going to go back to that basketball scene, too. That's, ugh. Mm -hmm. Ugh. I I don't want to. I'm going to talk about it, but I don't want to talk about it. So after the awkward asking Gwen on a date, maybe, Peter meets with Dr. Connors after work, and testing his father's algorithm, they are able to use lizard DNA to regrow the legs in a mouse. Good old Fred and Wilma. So distracted by the work with Connors, is Peter that he hangs up on Uncle Ben when he calls to remind him to go and pick up Aunt May. It's the starting. Two... Yeah, here we go. <laughs> here we go. The two get into a fight when Peter returns home. Ben gives the great power great responsibility speech, this time explaining it was Richard Parker's philosophy. Peter angrily storms out of the house, smashing the shit out of the door, mm-hmm. and Ben follows. When Peter stops to buy milk, He's short by two cents, harassed by the cashier. Uh, you can take a penny, but, or you can leave a penny, but I guess you can't take a penny. What are those there for? Uh, no, when another to, man.
1: <laughs> you have to spend $10 before you can take a penny.
2: What a strange policy. I kind that's of agree. A pol- that's
1: just a policy
2: that's <laughs> meant to discriminate against poor people, but yes. uh, we won't
1: get into that right now.
2: Yes, and we could. We could. Yeah. Uh, another man tries to rob the store, and Peter says it's not his problem. And keeps walking. As the thief makes his getaway, he stumbles and drops his gun right in front of Ben. Ben tries to pick it up, but is Why? shot. Why? I... Okay. He's shot <laughs> in the ensuing struggle and found by Peter. And he dies in front of his emotional nephew. Okay. I like this Uncle Ben a lot. I think that this Uncle Ben, as much as I liked him in the Raimi trilogy, I think he is played better in this movie. I think he does the parent figure a lot better. Um, You know, he's he's supportive of of Peter, but then he tries to give him some tough love. Um, I even like their fight a little bit more because when Peter lashes out at Ben, he doesn't say like, stop trying to be my father. His his problem isn't with Ben because he knows that Ben is trying to do that for him. He's trying to be his father figure. But Peter instead says, you know, if that's his philosophy, where is he to teach me? You know, How come like, you don't want me, man? Yeah, like <laughs> like it feels very much like, yo, Ben, I'm not mad at you, but what you're saying right now is kind of messed up because if my dad wanted to teach me that, he, he could have stuck around. You know, like I get that. All that being said- watching this scene again has kind of made me re-realize that I am a fan of them skipping this origin in the MCU. I, you know, there are probably still some people out there that would have liked to see it. But other than just literally the coat of paint, I shouldn't say literally because that's not true. Other than the coat of paint, the figurative coat of paint, this scene is almost a one-to-one with the one in the Raimi film. Like, the the sequence, other than the setting, is exactly the same. Peter lashes out at Ben, and then he goes off to do something that turns maybe a little morally questionable, right? Like, not that Peter was going to steal the milk, but the thief grabs the milk and throws it to him, and Peter knows he didn't pay for it, and he's walking out of the store with it anyway, so we're counting it. Um, He even has a moment with the person that has wronged him where he Marvel callbacks them in the Raimi trilogy. He's like, I missed the part where that's my problem. When the wrestling manager said that about his money. And when the store clerk is like, that's not the policy. That's how Andrew Garfield responds is sorry. That's not my policy. So even down to the dialogue there, Peter has the opportunity to stop the bad thing, the hashtag bad thing, but is angsty about it. And he doesn't. And, so Ben pays for this mistake with his life. It's exactly the same story. It's 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 just in a different movie. And maybe it being almost exactly the same is, um, maybe the Uncle Ben relationship is is, obviously it is, but it's so important to be done this way that they had to make it the same. Um, but there's, you know, there's so many Spider-Man comics. I'm sure the way that Ben dies in the comics is not the same every single time. That being said, I just, I, I wouldn't have wanted to see this a third time. I, mm-hmm. I, I like the approach better in the current MCU. As much as I, I like this scene because I think it's effective. I am, I'm just appreciative that they decided. No, listen, people know how Spider-Man started being spider man people already get it you don't have to spider-splain this to them just go on with the movie introduce the character and and move on
3: Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and i'll even expand on what you said it's not just not wanting to see uncle ben die again and not feeling the need to see uncle ben die again but also despite the fact that we're breezing through the notes here we're well into this movie and we are still setting up spider-man Mm -hmm. and that just means that we have less time unless you want a four-hour movie to have superhero supervillain stuff that's which i guess maybe this movie's not interested in anyway but that's a side note is we are not getting a spider-man story we are getting a rehash of the origin story and it just feels like everything at the end gets compressed because we had to do all this stuff already again that we know and so i think you're completely right on that And, and i feel like i need to kind of clarify something because this has come up since we did our homecoming episode. I agree on that. I did not need to see uncle Ben die again. I did not need to see all of this all over again in the MCU. I, it is 100%, 100% something I can get behind. My only concern is that it's also not really referenced in the MCU, kind of in um, civil war. And other than that, his father figure is Tony Stark. Great power, great responsibility never comes up in the MCU. And that's, it's not so much that I need all of that rehashed, it's that this core thing about Spider Man is kind of not there in the MCU. Although I also don't think it's handled perfectly here because it becomes Richard Parker's thing that Ben says, not Ben Parker's statement. And that miffs me a little bit as well because that's a core part of the Uncle Ben character is that he's the one that taught that to Peter. Uh, because this movie really wants Richard Parker to be a big part of its story. Um, that said, I completely agree. Martin Sheen is an incredible Uncle Ben.
0: Isn't, sorry, and mm-hmm. this derails a little to mm-hmm. the MCU version, but isn't Tony saying to Peter, if you're nothing without the suit, you shouldn't have it. Isn't that kind of great it, it, power, great responsibility? It kind of is, yeah.
3: yes. It kind of is.
1: And I, I will add on to that. In Civil War, Peter says to Tony, yes, yes you civil- can do the things I, I, do, I can do.
0: hmm but you don't, and
1: you don't. Yeah. The bad things that happen happen because of you. It is the, it is a sixteen-year-old trying to say without having the words. With right. great power comes great responsibility.
3: I mean, that sums up his ethos right there. It yeah. does, but we never get where that came from, and I just, I don't we need might... this whole thing rehashed. I just and wish we could
0: And we might be that. inching our way there. Like Maybe. I, I right. almost Quite feel possibly. like they're going to maybe actually finally refer to Ben yeah. in the next Spider-Man movie because mm-hmm. he's referenced it about after everything that happened with May, he says that at one point and mm-hmm. then, you know, like his suitcase in far from home has Ben Parker's initials on it. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe we're getting there, but and, and- yeah, I didn't care for this scene because it felt just like Ben got shot because that's what needs to happen. It didn't feel logical the way that it happened. Like it was just—I don't know—this scramble for the gun, and then he gets shot. Like it just to me, the one in the Raimi movie made more sense. Like the the thief needed the car and shot Ben so that he could get Ben out of the way to steal. His
2: Sandman car. needed the okay. car. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Y'all, y'all said everything I was going to say too, so I, I don't know if I can ever, you'll ever sway me to that side, Robbie, because yes, they did not literally say the words, great power, great responsibility, but as the lords have have said, like, they nod to it very fiercely. It's like one of those bro nods where your head goes all the way up and all the way down, you know? Like, it's it's a reference that's strong. I don't know. <laughs> It works for me. That one made me... It it tears me up in Homecoming. Or in Civil War. That line tears me up. So,
3: yeah, I don't think Civil War botches it at all.
1: So why... If Civil War doesn't botch it, why do they need to do it again in Homecoming?
3: So, at no point is... Mine is more who is the source of this. And they don't even... I would like the words said at least once because they are iconic. This movie also kind of avoids that as well. Almost like they're ashamed of, these words are so famous, we're going to be clever and not even say them at all. And then Mm -hmm. also, as you guys know, I don't love that it's more about Tony Stark being his hero figure than Uncle Ben being his hero figure in the MCU. That's not there in Civil War, though.
2: I think I'm the only one that feels this way, so it doesn't make sense to use this as a point but I felt like a line that everybody was expecting that did end up showing up in the MCU was Avengers Assemble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was awkwardly placed and didn't make any sense. So I'm, I wish they wouldn't have said it. Okay. I'm ha- I would have been happier if they didn't say it. Okay, Peaches. That's
3: not where I thought you were going
2: with that. <laughs> no, no, okay. But okay. I thought you were going to go with Angela's We'll they- Get a
3: Payoff. I will be excited if she's right and the payoff comes. Yeah. Listen,
2: I think she's probably right. That's not what I'm saying, but if they use it in a way that's awkward, I will I will also be disappointed in a different way because Man, they were all already there. Saying assemble doesn't make sense. Say it before the portals, fist bumping people. You
0: were and cheering in the theater when he said it? Along no, with I room. was no, like...
2: No, he stood up and told the whole theater to be quiet. No, guys, it's awkward. Stop. I was like, why? <laughs> they're here. Like, they're already assembled.
0: Oh, man.
2: Sorry. These are the facts. <laughs> Those are the opinions. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So while May copes with the loss of Ben, Peter uses his powers to stalk criminals, looking for his uncle's killer. Oh, it's cringy. When he realizes he needs to hide his face, he starts making the iconic Spider-Man costume. Researching the spider web he saw at Oscorp, Peter uses it to create non-organic web shooters, big fan, and learns Mm -hmm. how to swing and uses them to web up targets for the police.
1: Something happens in this montage that I need to point out. Mm-hmm. He's eating some Chinese food. He throws the Chinese food in the trash, and it perfectly lands. Box, one chopstick, two chopsticks. And the score Mickey Mouse is it. Uh, we've talked about Mickey Mousing, I think, on the show before, where the score punctuates movement on the screen. It's called Mickey Mouse, in because that's what happened in little cartoons, when like, he would tiptoe and would go, boop you know and it's such a weird choice for that to be the only thing that gets mickey mouse not him webbing anybody up or anything it's he throws the chinese food away and the chopsticks go
2: bump, bump. that's spider sense baby and then it
1: happens again in the credits too i noticed like the that same piece plays during the credits and you hear the bump 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 i'm like that's the chinese food (laughs) and it was so weird to me he was eating during the credits Sorry to interrupt for such a stupid thing, but that's what I do.
2: No, that's what's supposed to happen. I knew it was happening today. (laughs) We also see Peter as Spider-Man mocking and messing around with criminals in a way that the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man never did. Robbie, uh, you've got some stuff to say about this because you like the look and sound of Spider-Man, but not necessarily the way he's being played or his ethos.
3: Yeah. I made a conscious choice that I was going to try and say something nice with all of my points today and then get into the full point. And I will say this Spider-Man does look good. Like just costume for the most part. There's some, some other weird takes on the costume, but this, but his, his frame, his movement, his costume all looks really good. Um, One of my biggest issues with Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, despite loving those movies is there is no, Banter, no mockery, no none of of Spider Man's making fun of you know his opponent while he's fighting them. That did show up a little bit in this, although I will leave this for Lady Sound later. I'm not sure they did it well, but at least they tried because <laughs> uh, I don't necessarily disagree with what I know. She's going to say it's. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that alone, but at least there's some things they did well with Spider Man here. Um, The core problem is the man who's under the costume and his ethos, Uh, Peter Parker, is a douchebag in this movie. Like a douchebag. Mm -hmm. And it's not just that he's an annoying jerk. His hero mentality is not a hero mentality on so many levels. So this is the Peter Parker starts fighting, or Spider-Man starts fighting crime montage, which is cool. Uh, We have said we like those in these films. But this is not Peter Parker goes out to make New York a safer place. This is Peter Parker goes out to get revenge on his uncle's killer. And we never get any sort of evo- evolution from that as, oh, wow, I can help people. We kind of get that in the bridge scene, but then sort of back off from it again. Mm-hmm. So he's not, it, he's not looking for crime. He's looking for a criminal to get revenge. Yes, he webs them up and leaves them for the cops. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, one thing I think that's interesting, though, George Stacy calls him on this at dinner not realizing he's calling into his face but the movie calls out that he is not helping that he is going after someone specific getting in the cop's way that sort of thing and i think the fact that the movie's aware of it makes it worse like it's not just that they didn't know how to write a hero it's that they chose not to write a hero and he never evolves from that over the course of this film he never becomes spider-man the hero he stays spider-man who cares about his own life. Later, he's talking about how it's his responsibility. He says the words, my responsibility to stop the lizard. But it's not his responsibility because he has the power to stop him. It's his responsibility because he created him. It, it is still about Peter Parker doing things for Peter Parker and not at all about Spider-Man doing things to help. It, it, mm-hmm. it's, and then at the, man, the end of this movie, the end of this movie is prom- making a promise to a dying man. And then and, and first off, let me say it is believable that a teenage boy would not keep this promise. I'm not saying it's not believable, but I am saying it's not heroic that he then breaks the promise. And not only is it not heroic, not only does he break the promise to the dying man, but it's the last thing that's said in the movie is I'm terrible at keeping promises. And that's played as a happy, good moment. It's an understandable moment, but he is, we are cele- meant to celebrate at the end of this movie because it's because of star-crossed high school lovers, that he is going to break a promise that he made to a man while he dies. Again, understandable, but not, you know, ethical, good, heroic, not great power, great responsibility. Um, eh, somewhere there's a cross-section of Maguire, Garfield, and Holland that is the perfect Spider-Man. Each of them and really, I should say each more of the writers they had. Each of them had because I, I think they're all tremendous actors. Uh, and actually, I think Garfield might be the best actor of the three of them. So it's more about what they were written. I, I, Tom Holland hasn't done enough for me to be sure yet, but um, he's done more than okay. I don't want to derail you. Never has, mind. Has Keep going. In a movie that is not Spider-Man ever. <laughs> um, okay. The cross section. There's a cross section of the three of them that is the perfect Spider-Man. I think Holland gets the closest, but that's a side sidebar. The point is each of them does something well. And I wished that I had the amalgamation of what they did well, but this one, he looks good. He moves good. He sounds good, but he is not really a hero. He is not necessarily bad, a terrible person. He's not a villain, but he is not helping out of a sense of responsibility and, um, moral uh moral need
2: i just want to point out real quick though that even in the raimi trilogy toby Maguire's spider-man starts off after his ben incident pursuing the man and literally kills him yes but that's not where the movie doesn't end with him at that point i know Also, he doesn't
3: he doesn't literally kill him the guy falls out of a window but
2: yeah. Well, he wouldn't and, have died. And he, if like, he learns his pursued.
1: lesson right there yes. about the, you know, he remembers with great power comes great responsibility. And that's mm-hmm. when he decides, mm-hmm. I need to use mm-hmm. these powers for good. Yes. Yeah. Which correct. is where Andrew Garfield does not
3: get. Yes. I correct.
2: agree
1: with that. You know, Angela and I were talking yesterday uh, in the car about seeing movies in theaters and remembering how you felt in certain scenes. And I brought up that there was only one moment I could think of in film, where I saw a movie and a a moment I disliked so much happened that I remember exactly how I felt when it happened. And I was wrong because today, watching this movie, I remembered a second, and it was some pro- uh, some uh, you know promises you can't keep or the uh, whatever don't, uh, no don't make promises you can't keep, Mister Parker. Those are the best kind.
3: That's what it is. All of a
1: sudden, I had a sense memory of being in the theater and just going, ugh, (laughs) because I hated it so much. And that completely tainted anything that I might have liked in the movie up to that point, in the two hours before, because there are things I like. I think the early May, Ben, and Peter stuff is Mm -hmm. actually really good. Agreed. I thought the scene where he's finding out his powers on the subway where he's messing up. And apologizing to everyone, I thought that was funny. There were plenty of things I didn't like in this movie as well. But with that being the thing that the movie leaves you with, setting aside the weird mid-credits scene that makes absolutely no sense, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, like that being the message that the movie leaves you with completely tainted the rest of the movie for me. I hated it. I decided that that was when I was like, I cannot get on board with this series. If this is how they're doing Peter Parker, I cannot get on board with this. They lost me in that moment,
3: and George is right. Like, and you know, in that moment, uh, some of the audience probably doesn't know, but even before Spider-Man Two, or Amazing Spider-Man Two came out, we also know that George is right. We know that in that moment, he is making the decision that will get, get Gwen Stacy killed. Yes, it's, yeah, which
1: that, is it, knowing that, that, yes. that, like, okay, they're probably going to kill Gwen Stacy in the next yes. movie.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I think the problem with it is that we know because. Gwen is a you know a comic book uh, girlfriend of Spider Man for a long time. We know that that promise is going to be broken. We mm-hmm. don't need Peter to be smarmy and douchey about it at the end of this movie because, like you guys are saying, it kind of defeats the mood. Like it takes away from right the story to to put that line in there. We know that the next movie they're going to end up together because. That's what Spider-Man does. He he's done it with Mary Jane. He said the same thing to Mary Jane three times before yep. they before they yeah. dated. Like, and I think
1: they were trying to subvert know. the Raimi movies in that way. But the thing is what the Raimi movies did really well is in Spider-Man 2, she said, let me make my own choice. Yep. You mm-hmm. know, you know, give the woman some agency in this. I feel like I should shut up so Angela can talk
2: now.
0: What <laughs> can
2: I talk go. now or
0: do you want me to wait? Go,
2: please go. Please. You talk whenever you want. <laughs>
0: Well, no, but first of all, Robbie kind of already said my exact first sentence I had written down. And even though the grammar is wrong in this sentence, I stand by it. Peter Parker <laughs> and Spider-Man are a complete douche in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> they I've, are
1: douche, and so are he.
0: I've heard countless times, even from Chris, that, oh, well, toby Maguire is a better peter parker but i think you know there are ways like andrew garfield's actually a better spider-man than toby Maguire, and i just feel like y- there's still one person like you can't have one without the other and i just think toby Maguire was the better package um of the two and like there's just sort of a and this goes for tom holland as well <laughs> sort of like hey, shut up there's sort of <laughs> There's sort of a, like, je ne sais quoi kind of doofy, geeky, lovable charm that Peter Parker has. At least in my opinion, but as someone who hasn't read the comics, like, as, like, movie Peter Parker. I feel like that's what a quality he should possess. And An- Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker just doesn't have that. Like, I just never... He's a good-looking guy, and I don't feel attracted to him at all in this movie like you know whereas like Toby Maguire is like oh he's so cute or like you know Tom Holland same thing like he's he's adorable but like Andrew Garfield like he just he's so his Peter Parker I should say is so unlikable so I think he treats Aunt May like shit like you don't ever really see their relationship mm-hmm. like so it makes it hard to to value kind of his relationship with with Aunt May and and with with Uncle Ben you know and i feel bad for Sally Field cuz she barely had anything to do in this movie it mm-hmm. could have been anyone playing Aunt May like it didn't have to be Sally Field because that's
2: what people forgot so her. little for her to do i know who it is now
0: <laughs> and for some reason i don't know if this was an acting choice or the direction he was given and kind of going off of the notes Robbie had earlier, maybe this is the direction he was given, but Andrew Garfield played Peter Parker just in this really like uncomfy way, like the way that he flirted with Gwen was just, it made me uncomfortable. Like I wasn't watching it going, oh, that's adorable. He's so awkward. He doesn't know what to say. Like I just watched it feeling really like, and it reminded me of the way Kristen Stewart plays Bella in the Twilight movies you know, where she just keeps kind of shaking her head and she, she's like muttering her words and just kind of like, I, I you know, I, and like she can't form complete sentences. And that's exactly, you know, that interaction between him and Gwen when he's trying to ask her out. And
1: the executive's like, we need a Twilight Spider-Man where he can't complete any of his sentences. Like it
0: just was not, there was nothing endearing about it. and And it made me like Gwen less because when we see her in the beginning... She seems very, like, cool and collected and, you know, really smart and top of her game, you know. Great boots. Yeah, great boots.
1: (laughs) Yes, great boots. And just the way Andrew Garfield is. Yes, I said boots. Okay.
0: It makes you wonder why she falls for him. Like, I I don't buy it, her falling for him, because I don't feel like he earned her falling for him.
3: Right, she just does, and we never see a moment for why. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know what? First of all, I want to say, because I, I now don't think I will get to say this, Robbie has it written in the notes for me to segue into this discussion with Angela by saying, uh, Angela, discuss how Peter Parker here is a creepy Twilight character. So I just wanted everybody <laughs> to know that. <laughs> I, I, I also... I plan on dogpiling on Peter too, and I was gonna do it later, but what the hell? Let's just go now because I agree now. with you, like entirely, except for maybe the relationship with Aunt May. I don't think he's that rude to her. Um, he remembers the eggs in the end, you know, like he brought her the eggs. Come on, that, that is a nice kind of moment, a sweet moment. Yeah, yeah. but I don't know okay, if it makes up for everything else. But here's here's my problem: is you start off liking Peter as Peter, it. it for a good majority of the first half of the movie, other than the basketball scene. Um, somewhere along the line, though, this is my problem with him. He gets, like, too suave. Like, he is supposed to be, uh, like, an outcast, like, uncomfortable talking to people in general, especially women that he is attracted to. And at one point, he just turns completely into... Hey, babe, let's kiss. Like he gets it's bitten and
1: becomes suave like a spider.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's totally weird. Like there's the scene where um, he ha- he has one of his. I think it's after the scene where he fights lizard in the sewer, and he shows up at Gwen's house in the Spider-Man suit. He's got the cuts, and in one point in the dialogue, Gwen calls him Bug Boy, and I was like, at this point, while I was watching the rewatch, I was like kind of looking at my phone and the movie back and forth a little bit. And I swore that she called him a fuck boy. I thought she said fuckboy boy to Peter Parker. And the, the problem is that it didn't seem out of line. <laughs> the problem is not that I misheard. The problem is I misheard and it didn't register as a problem. Um, and, and that burst of confidence that he gets as Spider-Man I think should stay as when he's Spider-Man because that is when he's in his element and confident and cool and collective and quippy and maybe suave as Spider-Man. But it's weird that it translates to Peter. I also want to say, for the record, we haven't really talked about this that much or maybe even at all. I thought that I hated the skateboard stuff. Um, Going back to watch this movie again, I don't actually have a problem with the skateboarding thing anymore. I think maybe... They have too many scenes where he's just carrying it around with him for reasons unbeknownst. Uh, do fellow kids, it's yeah. It's almost like he's. Um, I don't remember his name, but that guy from Ed, Ed, and Eddie who has a plank as a friend, Johnny. <laughs> Johnny, it's almost like he's carrying plank around, um, because I think I think at the time we talked about in uh, the last episode or or one before it, I don't remember how Tom Holland. Kind of depicts what a nerd would be like in the late 2010s. I think this does an okay job of representing what maybe an outcasted person might be like in the 2010s, other than the complete douchiness that takes over mm-hmm. halfway through the film. I so I don't the, think, uh, yeah, I don't have a problem with skateboard. Most To
0: of. me, it felt just like a very forced prop. Yes. Oh, he's an outcast. Give him a skateboard. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, it just, I don't know. It didn't feel necessary. It just felt like a device to Mm -hmm. make him seem more how they wanted him to
2: seem. I feel like that was kind of their gateway, and, and I could be way off on this, but I feel like it was kind of their gateway to show, like, yes, now that he is the spider powers... He is more agile and strong and whatever. But he was already kind of athletic before because he was good at skateboarding. Like, he does a lot of parkouring, Peter parkouring in this movie. <laughs> and I think I think parkour would be a skill that maybe you don't get when you get bit by a spider. I think maybe that's something that you already are kind of agile with and then it is enhanced so I, that kind of feels I like think that, why. i think
1: you're right because when he first when he does his first web swing the way he stops on that chair is the same way you stop a skateboard mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i think they were trying to make that connection that he already has a little bit of agility a little bit of uh coordination from his right. skateboarding that he transfers into like his web swinging and spider-man aerobics I think
0: that's what made his Spider-Man even more boring to me, though, because he already seemed a little bit athletic and coordinated before he got bit, whereas, like, Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker was very clumsy (laughs) and not strong at all, and, you know, just complete polar opposite of what he became after he got bit, and that's what made the transformation so much more exciting. Right.
2: I think that's fair yeah because toby struggles with wow i have i am powerful now whereas andrew garfield is like cool um
3: well and you made a great point you made a great point peaches about the confidence should be while he's spider-man not while he's peter parker and that they said they benchmarked the ultimate spider-man for this a lot and they kind of did this in 616 but in ultimate they did a fantastic job of Peter even even calls it out that once he puts on that mask and once he's being Spider-Man, he is not the same person. He is confident. He's arrogant with how he talks to people, you know, villains. Um, and then, but he is still Peter Parker when he takes it off. Spider-Man doesn't change Peter Parker because it, it's almost, you know, a Jekyll and Hyde thing. He puts on the mask, he's a different person. And I think you're right that that's kind of lost in this film in a way that's unpleasant and hard to watch. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because they were going with source material that I think did a fantastic job of that. I have some criticisms of the Ultimate Universe, but that's something they did really, really well. I don't know. And then uh, also, I, I don't know if you have more on that, but um, I wanted to ask... Uh, Would you just La- call me? I want to ask Lady Sound a question because we're at that point in the film and I know she said something about it. You, you find the banter here dumb, though, right? Like you find yeah. him to be an obnoxious...
0: I didn't, you know, I think people say that thing about Andrew Garfield. Oh, well, he's a better Spider-Man. And I just don't know that I even agree with that. Because I just didn't enjoy the little bit of quipping he had while in the suit. Like, Mm -hmm. his little line about, like, oh, no, little knives, I'm so scared, or whatever. You know, where he was taunting the the bad guy Mm -hmm. he was fighting. But, like, it just felt so Icky and douchey, and and
3: and then the webbing, the crotch, and the
0: yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Like I just was not rooting for him. I was not thinking like, oh, he's so funny, or he's so clever, or you know, anything like that. It, it. I didn't feel the way I feel like you're supposed to feel when Spider Man is quipping. Yeah, it's
3: forced.
1: Yeah, having watched this, and I still have Amazing Spider Man two to watch. Mm -hmm. I doubt it's going to change my mind, unless like the one good thing about that movie is Spider-Man. Um, I would amend my statement to Andrew Garfield is a better Spider-Man than he is a Peter Parker and Tobey Maguire is I think a better Peter Parker than he is Spider-Man but I would actually put I would not necessarily say anymore that Andrew Garfield is a better Spider-Man than Tobey Maguire is. Mm-hmm. Having revisited them all in the, in the course of three or four weeks, I think I now... Right. ...compared to this. I I think the fact that he was a better Spider-Man than Peter... that Andrew Garfield was a better Spider-Man than, than he was a Peter... made it... like, inflated it in my mind. Whereas, mm-hmm. watching back now, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, so his Spider-Man is better than Peter Parker, but his Spider-Man... Uh, like, the strength of his performance is different than the strength of Tobey Maguire's performance, but... Overall, I would take Toby Maguire in both forms over Andrew Garfield. And I, and I still do think that Tom Holland strikes the best balance across Peter and Spider-Man.
3: Yeah, it, Angela, you wrote a little note about, you haven't read the comics, correct you on this. Uh, you're completely right. With the caveat that there are so many comics, you could actually find a page where Peter Parker was forced and douchey and not funny. But mm-hmm. I agree. And, and I, think that, I think it starts well. I think when he's in the car and you serious, you think I'm dressed like this and I'm a cop? Like, I think it starts kind of good, and then it gets, like like you say, forced, unfunny. And I think I had not seen this movie since any of the MCU Spider-Man movies came out. Mm-hmm. And so I think Same. in my memory, I still had the feeling of, well, at least they tried, which they didn't really do with Toby McGuire. And I think I now realize, yeah, but they didn't do a very good job when they tried. So I agree with you.
2: It's weird that, you know, it's probably weird because... I imagine that maybe at the time, people thought being douchey was cool. <laughs> that you know, that's you're probably not far off. That's another
3: I thing. I feel like this hate movie feels that. like more of a product of its moment in time than most superhero movies.
2: God, I hate if that's true. I don't want to be right about that. Ugh. Okay. I just
3: thought it was sloppy
0: writing, honestly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember watching the the that scene with the car thief. And I'm like, I didn't like it as much this time. I was like, I thought I liked this the first time I saw it. And it just didn't work for me this time. And again, maybe it was just my memory inflating. Hey, Spider-Man was telling jokes. That's great. But Spider-Man telling good jokes is even better.
2: <laughs> so. You know what I think? I'm thinking about that, you know, as we're talking about it and then it's lingering. And I think I don't, I don't really mind the knife comment, but I, I feel like this follows that same trajectory that we've talked about uh, about how the you know promises those are the best ones to break whatever kind of ruins what they had already set up like the uh, Spider-Man webbing the guy in the nuts after all of that is like Mm. man why'd you do that? yeah I I actually (laughs) thought
1: oh no tiny knives my only weakness I actually thought that was actually a good quip yeah Yeah. that was a good Spider-Man quip like
2: did you see what he just did and you're gonna come at him with a knife like that's, you know, but then the nut shot and I don't yeah. know. I'm well, not going to say the nut shot anymore. And
3: then, the, <laughs> then it just reinforces that the whole thing is about just finding out if he is the, the killer of his uncle. And then the, mm-hmm. the threat of this could have gone much poorly. Like, it's just. Yeah.
2: All right. Let's get out of here. After mm-hmm. he apprehends the car thief, the police, led by Captain George Stacy, descend en masse and mass an attempt to arrest Spider-Man. Oh, no. At Oscorp, the executives who Peter previously followed, Rajit, Ratha, threatens Kirk Connors, telling him to move forward with human trials on the serum he and Peter created, intending to use it to save Norman Osborn from a mysterious illness. He also insinuates they had Richard and Mary killed for refusing to play ball with the company. Connors is fired when he refuses, and in desperation tries the serum on himself. The serum is successful, growing a new arm under lizard-like dead skin within hours as he whoa that was creepy there's like a okay we we can maybe leave this in as i was saying this you know kind of scary thing that's happening in the movie uh a car drove by really fast and made like the <laughs> noises but but <laughs> because it was kind of muffled with my headphones and you know like being in a house it sounded like the beginning of like a horror sting. Oh, cool. Like, uh... I thought you were going to say a lizard walked by because my house is covered with lizards. Yeah, and a lizard walked by. He's perched <laughs> on my shoulder right now. Um, <laughs> after he discovers that the serum was successful, he informed Ratha... It, he's informed Ratha is going immediately to the Veterans Hospital to test the serum. on. Like, why don't bad guys know how science works? Why? Like, I don't...
3: Mm-hmm. So also, we... you gotta go there at night? Like, it's gotta be... <laughs>
2: Like, why do bad guys go, yeah, okay, that probably works. Let's test this on Norman Osborne. Like, what if what if you do one human trial and it's, like, successful, and then you're immediately like, all right, one example is good enough. I'm going to shoot Norman Osborne in the arm with this lizard serum. Was he going there to
1: test it on Norman? I thought he was just going to go test it on some random no, 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 veterans, no. which is, like, evil.
2: <gasps> no, but l- imagine, in my head yeah he's like connor's is like hey it worked on a rat and the guy's like cool it worked one time let's go test it on people what mm-hmm. if it would have worked one time on a person what if he would have watched he would have been in the room when he stabs himself in the arm and he regrows the rest of it like what if raja would have been like all right it works i just watched it work because it took a while for him to turn into a lizard man and then he goes to Norman, he's like, hey, I'm going to stab you with this thing, and then kills him. Like, come on, dude. Bad guy logic. Also, hmm. Connor's whole plan starts to not make sense either, but that's neither here nor there. He attempts to head to the Veterans Hospital, stop him, and transforms into the lizard as he does so. Uh, meanwhile, Gwen invites Peter to dinner with her family. Not weird at all. Her father, the same George Stacy, who is captain of the police force, and Peter get into oh, the a New tense York Stacy's? Of the Stacys, yes. The Royal Stacys. <laughs> I don't know. They get into a tense conversation about whether or not Spider-Man is a hero. Gwen and Peter go to the rooftop to talk, and Peter turns on the swag and reveals that he is Spider-Man by webbing her in the butt, and then they make out for a while. I just That's how that works. <laughs> just I weird. hate the scene. Like, I just need to say yeah.
3: I hate the scene. Like I don't just <laughs> <laughs> kind of dislike the scene i hate it more than probably anything i've ever seen in a superhero movie keep going
1: uh um, I'm, I'm gonna say man
2: two is around the corner i haven't i haven't watched the whole thing
1: <laughs> oh so i'm going to add that they're eating branzino which flash thompson famously complains about in spider-man homecoming i know fresh branzino and that was not fresh branzino <laughs> and also Gwen states uh, over and over again, "Apartment 2016, Apartment 2016." Do you know what happened in 2016? Spider-Man was rebooted yet again as he appeared in Captain America: Civil War. Coincidence?
3: Also, Whoa. also want to point out something totally theme. meant. Totally meant to bring this up at the start of the um, at the start of the show. There was a another thing that was cut is a scene of Spider-Man not being led in the building by his by the doorman. When that scene is cut, all of a sudden, this, your doorman is intimidating, so I came through the window thing, does not make any sense or have any purpose whatsoever. <laughs> like, like, if you're going to cut that out, cut out everything else that's connected to it, is all. Also, him just showing up through his window, her window, creepy,
2: weird, whatever. He's just turning, that suave dial keeps going up, man. It's like someone just keeps turning it to the right. It's just gaining. It's like if you saw a line graph of his douche trajectory over the course of this movie it starts off it's like an exponential graph right it starts off kind of going up a little fast and then it's like we right
3: a love story (laughs) a high school love story was written for emma stone and andrew garfield and then a spider-man skin was put over the top of it
2: (laughs) the whole evening is ended it got canceled when Captain Stacy rushes out to a giant lizard wreaking havoc on the Williamsburg Bridge, the lizard throws cars over the side of the bridge as he hunts for Ratha, But Spider-Man arrives and is able to rescue the cars, including a child who is trapped in a burning car, dangling from the side. I actually do like that scene. A lot. That's, That's the he, best it's good. movie. Only there needs time
0: he seems like a hero. Yeah, <laughs> in this whole correct. Correct. He, he is, is
1: Spider-Man like... in that scene, and it's mm-hmm. really good.
2: His reasoning, like, really holds up. Like, he takes off his mask in front of the kid. You know, put it on; it'll make you stronger. Like, that's that seems like a very Peter thing to do. Everything done. about
1: that was good. Like, yep. that's the only time that they got they nailed Spider-Man in this. Probably mm-hmm. both movies.
2: Um, both movies starts. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. I, again, it
1: has been several years since I've seen Amazing Spider-Man Two. Uh,
2: it's you know, luckily. Shameless plug: We've got Loki right after that week, so (laughs) we can hopefully refresh our our palate. It's like Loki is the ginger, and uh, Spider Man Two will be the seven eleven week old sushi. (laughs) Ugh, I hated that. I don't want to. Never mind. Just don't don't think about that anymore. The lizard starts to transform back into Doctor Connors and disappears to the sewers, while Spider Man continues to save lives. Peter then goes to visit Dr. Connors and figures out he is the lizard who is on the bridge. You say, okay, figures out is in the notes. And I'm not, I'm not like bashing on you for this, Robbie, but literally the motherfucker, sorry. He, this is where mm-hmm. he starts to get really dumb. Kurt Connors is like, you know, some species or, I don't remember the exact quote, but he's like some species are better if you don't mess with them. Like he, Okay, yeah, you're the lizard. No shit, we get it. <laughs> like he figured it out because Connors told him. Basically, he might as well have blank, point blank said, "I am lizard man." Fear. I me. hear
1: there's a new species in New York. <laughs>
2: yeah. Like, could you? I hear he's hobbies? very
1: handsome. This new species.
2: <laughs> I hear he has two arms. Did you know? <laughs> yeah, my memory was this lizard Couldn't was be okay. Me. <laughs>
3: My memory was that this lizard is pretty good, and I think I think I, I have now changed my mind on that after talking to y'all. I just I and it's visually the fact that he looks like a Goomba from Super Mario does not I I'm so glad you said it! <laughs> yes, I actually wrote and I didn't
1: even make that connection, but I wrote in my notes, isn't this just the plot of the Super Mario Brothers movie where he's trying to de-evolve yes, everybody? Right. And he even <laughs> think like about Goomba. the fact that he actually looks yes. like him.
2: <laughs> uh, so Hey, it's <sighs> Peter Spider-Man and his brother, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. <laughs> but yeah, everything
3: you're saying, I think he's stupid and I think his plan is stupid, which is fine. The lizard's plan can be stupid, but I I don't know. I, and I mean, The only part, good
1: thing about him is we got one scene where he's a lizard in a lab coat. Yes. You know, I'm glad we at least got that. <laughs> oh, that's right. He's never wearing the lab coat. Oh, that God. That felt
0: random to me, though. I was like, why does he have clothes?
1: Because cause that's what it looks like in the comics. He actually right. wears the lab coat as the lizard.
0: But that just feels like a... You know.
3: It's forced instead of natural. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. To be he fair, he was wearing the, the lab
2: coat. coat before he transformed, so it makes sense that he'd still have it on for a second. But then he gets annoyed by it and says, "See yeah. ya.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, and so they I prefer kinda, to be naked. They don't do a good job of giving <laughs> him a relationship with Peter, which is a an, an important part that's of her Connors and off. Peter
2: Parker. That's
3: they why don't we have do
2: us, a. They don't have a family. Do an audio only podcast and not a visual <laughs> podcast.
1: But if you want to join at the Avengers level, <laughs> no,
3: no, cutting you off. Shut it I'm down. out. I'm out. <laughs> Sorry, Robbie. No, no, no. It's not important. I was just saying, like, they important parts of the Lizard are his relationship with Peter Parker. They kind of get that, but it's forced here and it's fast. Uh, but also, his family is an important part. The fact that he has a son and he's worried about the Lizard hurting his son and like these are all important things that are are left out. I, I think I left this movie thinking yeah the lizard's fine um no the lizard's not fine it's you
2: know i was talking to my roommate about this and i didn't put this in the notes because i didn't i don't i didn't know if i was going to talk about it but i feel like the lizard kind of makes sense for an origin story again thinking about the time because when we had the sam raimi movies it was a your, your superhero movie is successful or it is not. There is no middle ground. So you better use a, a villain that everybody really cares about if you want to hook people in. You can't really make a, in, in 2002, you can't really make an origin story of a superhero movie and use somebody that people don't know because they just won't, there won't be enough interested people, right? But at this point, we've had a successful Spider Man trilogy we've had some successful MCU movies. And so you can start a movie with a villain that is not as high stakes. I just think that lizards pathing along the way got a little weird because I I know his, his brain kind of shifts focus. A lizard brain. (laughs) When he (laughs) turns into a lizard, but he almost goes zero to a hundred way too fast where He gets fired and injects himself, and he immediately just wants everyone in the world to suffer.
0: Yeah.
2: I was thinking about
0: how, like, if the Kirk Connors in the Raimi trilogy, if they had been able to, like, go on to a fourth movie and he got to become Lizard, it would have been so much more earned and more just fascinating because we see him as just more of a side, kind of in the background, character. He's Peter's professor. He seems like a nice guy. Like there's really nothing crazy going on there. And just seeing that evolution, that transformation would be really interesting. But in this movie, since it's a reboot, like it's all very sped up and you know, he kind of, even just as himself before he injects himself, like he seems like a little bit of a creepy guy to start with so there's a little less of an evolution Mm -hmm. there it's kind of like the beef that I have with The Shining (laughs) how (laughs) Jack Nicholson's just kind of creepy from the beginning you don't get as much of a a transformation and a downfall of that character as I would have liked
3: yeah he starts that movie basically hating his family yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's a weird one, too, because you go back and watch that and you're like, huh, I didn't realize that he was such an asshole the whole mm-hmm. time. <laughs> <laughs> I guess alcohol is really bringing this out. Yeah, no,
3: per- 100%, 100%. 100%. Angela.
2: Man, damn, damn lizard. <laughs> um, So he figures out that he is the lizard because uh, Connor told him. Connor's told him. Connor sets up a lab in the sewer where he injects himself again. Suspecting a cold-blooded reptile would be in the sewer, Spider-Man sets up a series of webs to play Snoop on it. To play Snood? Snoop? Yeah,
3: that's that Snoop. game. That game is called Snood. The game oh, I didn't know
2: that. I no, thought it was yeah, like yeah. a bubble bobble or some weird shit. Maybe that's just an offshoot of Snood. Uh, while listening for movement. Also, thank goodness for all of the lizards in New York deciding that day, hey, Peter, watch us come down here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Where did all those iguanas and chameleons in New York come is from? Is he in Florida, Literally secretly? have never seen a wild
1: lizard in the Northeast. Right? But all over Florida, I have yeah. never seen a wild lizard.
3: That lizard that okay. goes into the sewer is a 5 lined skink. I guarantee you those are not in New York, except uh-huh. in someone's terrarium.
2: Look at that Boy Scout paying off. The lizard surprises him, and Spider-Man is barely able to escape, while the lizard... oh i forgot about this oh my god i was helping you with that deduces he's peter when peter pulled an absolute peter move and (laughs) left his name on the camera (laughs) peter why are you so dumb sometimes like i gotta wear a mask i learned earlier in the movie i have to protect my identity hopefully this lizard who I know is Dr. Kirk Connors, doesn't look at the back of this camera I'm going to leave in the <laughs> sewer where it says, Property of Peter motherfucking Parker. It might as well.
3: <laughs> Two quick things. Sound Lord. I'm assuming you're with me on that Property of Peter Parker sticker on the camera feeling like Property of Bart Simpson on the microphone, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. I hadn't made that connection. Or not humor. the microphone, Absolutely. the speaker. But Yeah. Second, was the photo thing, like, like were they... Do we think in this film they were going to do Daily Bugle and they didn't bother, but they kind of set it up?
1: I will, like- I will remind you that in Amazing Spider-Man Two, he actually does get an email from J. Jonah Jameson after he's trying to sell pictures of Spider-Man.
3: You're 2. reminding me; I didn't know that until this second.
1: Yeah, so that's a, well, I'll remind and slash tell you for the first time ever <laughs> that they hinted at Jameson and the Bugle in Amazing Spider-Man Two.
0: That was another thing that felt forced of just, it was like Mm -hmm. Peter Parker is supposed to take photos. So I guess we should shove that in here. Yeah. Yeah. In a few places. I
3: don't know why it's in here. It's it's core to the character because it's his job, but in this movie,
2: it's not his job. So why is it? It's it's almost like they started off wanting to do more with it, and then they abandoned it. Because that's it's what like, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Yeah, like the opening scene of the movie is mm. him refusing to take a picture of Flash bullying that kid. So maybe they were like, "Hey, we'll probably use this." Mm. And then that kind of describes lots whole... of winking and lots of nudging, and
3: <laughs> that kind of describes this whole movie and really this whole mini franchise is setting up a bunch of stuff that you don't actually do. Yep.
1: Yep. <laughs> we'll we'll definitely talk about that in our next episode. Um. I also uh, think it's interesting that after this scene, we are now two for two in Spider-Man origin movies, giving us green supervillains arguing with themselves after they take Oscorp drugs. That's true. Yeah. Also, Peter Parker is going to be mad infected after getting scratched by a lizard and swimming through poop water for five minutes.
3: (laughs) Right? Because then... You see those scars when he goes to be creepy in Gwen's room? Like, those scars are bad. He's going to die. How
0: bad he must have smelled when he stepped into her room.
2: Don't you know that one of spiders' powers is to be impervious to poop water infections? I want to be a spider now. (laughs) Robbie, how often do you
3: meddle in poop water? (laughs) Listen, listen, it's one of those things, like, you know, people are afraid of things they'll never encounter. You're just...
1: You never know know when some poop water is going to get into your open (laughs) flesh wounds.
2: Do you know what you guys? That's true. Bought
1: on by science lizard.
2: When when y'all were just talking about how this movie is setting up a bunch of stuff it never actually gets to, it reminded me of that TikTok of the guy who set up the like uh, the Rube Goldberg machine in his kitchen, and then every time one of the things happens, it doesn't trigger the next thing, and he has to manually do it. (laughs) <laughs> i haven't
3: seen that but that sounds wonderful oh, a, if I, I haven't can, seen if, either but that's a perfect description of this movie if
2: yep. i can find that after we, we're done recording i'll throw it in the discord because it's, it's like just, blue ball machine where you've Spider-Man. got to drag the blue ball to the next part of the machine yeah <laughs> that is the amazing spider-man franchise <laughs> yeah. in a nutshell help i'm trapped in a nutshell um <laughs> <laughs> what? What a weird Austin Powers reference! Oh, okay. y'all want to talk about Goosebumps? Peter goes to Gwen, who tends to his stay wounds, out of the basement, calls him a bug boy, and then expresses that she has spent her whole life worried her father won't come home from work, and Peter is giving her the same fears. That part of the scene also was like, okay, that's fair. And then he ruined it by being a right? bug boy.
3: No, no, yes, yes.
2: Uh-huh. Um. Connor's injects himself again. What they say? He can... I had closed caption on. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Connor injects himself again, saying he can save the outcasts of society. Why is this your thing now? And vowing to stop Peter from getting in the way, he crawls through the sewer and into Parker's high school. How does he also now have like a right? Just like an unabashed. Supreme knowledge of the sewer layout. I don't, maybe it took him a while. I don't know. Peter becomes (laughs) Spider-Man. Peter becomes Spider-Man and the two fight through the school with Gwen attempting to help and being recognized until the cops arrive and the lizard runs. I like the Stan Lee cameo here too. It is actually one of my favorite Stan Lee cameos. I also like the moment when, um, Peter is like, I'm going to throw you out the window now. And then he throws her out the window. Did you guys know that that is called a, uh, deguena station. <laughs> 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 oh. I will the never forget. The administration
1: of Prague.
2: <laughs> I have been waiting to say that for, uh, let's see, this recording has been almost an hour and 30 minutes. So that's how long I've been waiting to say that. Okay. That's that was good. De Station. I'll,
3: I'll never forget watching this with my best friend and her reaction. Like he goes, I'm going to throw out of the window. And he, she goes, Are they going to do it? Is she going to die now? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that would have been terrible. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Because I definitely <laughs> thought of the death of Gwen Stacy when. Uh, when they did that, like, oh. Yeah, so as soon as we're... the web
3: hit her, it's like, wait, no,
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah. Whew. Chills. Um, so then, it's nighttime now, and Peter asks Gwen to go to Oscorp to create an antidote to the lizard formula. We're jumping right into the finale scene here. Um, not That's like what happens. We... That's no, what happens as
3: <laughs> soon as it's done. Yes.
2: That's not me critiquing your writing. I'm saying the movie's just like, oh, shit. Wait, we're, we have out to wrap this up. we're out of
3: time. We're out of time.
2: He finds Connor's lab in the sewers. Realizes his plan is to use uh, what's the name of that device? Uh, that the cloud device. The it spreads things. We know what it is, but what's the name of it? I forgot. Um, it's such I can't remember. It's got a woman's name. It's uh, like they named it after a woman. I don't know. Um, he finds Connor's lab in the sewer. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. use the Genali. mystery device. Genali. That's not a woman's. What is wrong with me? Um, Karen bomb. The ca- <laughs> K-
0: K- 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 Karen bomb.
2: <laughs> we want He wants to turn into everyone into lizards as a gift. That's where I'm getting at. The lizard wreaks havoc on the streets, transforming people into lizards with gas bombs, and heading to Oscorp while Gwen works on the antidote. Peter calls Gwen, tells her to leave, but she refuses and signals an evacuation to the building while staying behind to make that antidote. On his way to Oscorp, Captain Stacy and his men capture Spider-Man, who is, you know, doing his Peter Parker thing and not wearing his mask, uh, but able to subdue everyone but Stacy who recognizes that it's Peter. Quick question. The
3: editing in this movie. George Stacy gets in a helicopter to go to Oscorp because a giant lizard with a bioweapon is wreaking havoc. The next time we see him, he is walking on the street to unmask a v- vigilante. <laughs> I
2: have some questions about the editing. <laughs> hey, He's like,
1: oh shit, Spider-Man's dead there. He jumps out.
2: <laughs> Spider-Man did say at dinner that maybe their priorities aren't correct, you know? uh peter tells stacy he's gonna go help gwen at oscorp and the captain allows him to leave uh and i just then he gets shot and then he
3: gets shot by a cop i will stop talking now
2: no that's where i was going (laughs) to and that whole after
1: after captain stacy says hold your fire right
2: yeah and uh we're, we'll get to that in a second. Gwen finishes the antidote, tries to hide the distribution machine, and is discovered by the lizard, though he leaves her alone and merely takes the machine to the roof. Do we think that he had the bit of humanity like locked inside of the lizard brain and was like, that's, that's how my I,
3: assistant? That's how I interpret it. Well, in the school, he's talking to Peter, and he recognizes Gwen. Like I think he's True. a little bit out of control, but I do think the moment was, well, Gwen is not a threat, so I just need this machine. Goodbye.
2: Robbie, I'm going to just let you keep talking because uh, obviously we have discussed a lot of issues with this movie. Yes. Yeah, so that's what we do here. Um, but you don't think Gwen is an issue. Yeah, okay. So I said I was going to say something nice with all
3: of my points. So this time I'm going to end with the something nice. Thing. I'm going to start with, I don't like how much mystery box there is in this film. I don't like how much time it spends trying to overcomplicate anything, everything, trying to make Peter's origin important, trying to make Peter's parents, important to a, a larger conspiracy of the world. The the part where where Norman Osborne's face is blacked out because Norman Osborne is gonna be a secret. And oh. I know that that just ends up being wasted in the sequel. I do know that part. Mm-hmm. Um just they spend so much time trying to make everything more complicated than it needs to be. It ends up wasting time. I don't like the teenage romance drama and I don't like how much this movie is obsessed with its world building on its eye on a franchise. I don't like the lizard policeman do nothing. Um like this movie's not Twilight, but you can feel that this movie was this movie is better than Twilight, but you can feel it trying to be in some ways. <laughs> is it not? Okay. I've watched one Twilight movie. Not the movie. target
2: audience, Robert.
3: <laughs> I've watched one Twilight movie. This absolutely feels like a better produced and acted movie, at least, than Twilight. Um and you can see how they're just worried about making a franchise. Like this movie kind of like we said at the start, is making business decisions instead of being a movie. But, but, Emma Stone is amazing. Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy is not perfect, but I like her. And what I really like is she is given, she's given a role that is not just an accessory. Um, She helps save the day in a way that's believable. She has a personality. She has... Her own arc in the story. She I don't know. I I have trouble I'm, I'm struggling to put it into words because she's like the one thing I really like about this movie other than some of the Spider-Man bits is this Gwen Stacy. Is the fact that she is well played by Emma Stone that she's in some awkward romance scenes, but I don't think Emma Stone is the one making them awkward. Um I her relationship with her dad is actually something I like. It's one of the similar to how Peter's relationship with May and Ben at least Ben in the start is some stuff that's actually well done. I do think Gwen's relationship with her dad is something that I've, I buy into and it's believable. She's got some mm-hmm. stress around her father. She loves her father and is worried about her father. I, I think her moment of, I'm going to evacuate this building, but I'm going to stay and make this antidote. Um, I think her attempt, not successful, but her attempt to fight back against the lizard uh, twice. She's not a superhero, so she's not going to be able to fight the lizard. But she's also not damsel in distress who only exists to be saved. In fact, she's Mm -hmm. not even saved in this movie. Right? She's thrown out the window and webbed to keep her safe, but she's not
2: in trouble in
3: this movie. She does not exist to be the thing that Peter Parker saves. And that, I'm assuming, was a conscious choice. And I think a very good choice, and it's well done. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially
1: when that happens to Mary Jane in all three of the Raimi Spider-Man
3: movies. Right, right, right. right. Mary Jane (laughs) is Princess Peach, and Gwen mm-hmm. Stacy is... Would you just call me? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. She's, she's wasted a bit because of things we've already said. Um, but I just wanted to make sure I take a moment and say, Emma Stone is not the reason this movie is bad. Gwen Stacy is not the reason this movie is bad. They are part of the reason, they being the same person, are part of the reason the movie is salvageable. Sort of like Sound Lord said earlier, I this would, could probably be an okay high school dramedy, maybe even a good high school dramedy given the cast. It's just, it's not a high school dramedy. It's a Spider-Man movie. But I really, <laughs> I really really love this Gwen Stacy, and I really love how she's given a bit more to do than a typical superhero girlfriend.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that she wasn't the textbook damsel in distress that mm-hmm. they made Kirsten Dunst in the Raimi trilogy. I -hmm. never liked that. You never really understood why Peter was so obsessed with Mary Jane aside from she's pretty. Mm -hmm. She's pretty and she's nice. Mm -hmm. But like in this movie, you can instantly get why, you know, Gwen Stacy is attractive, not just for her looks, but like just for the kind of person she is and Mm -hmm. how capable she is and how smart she is.
1: Yeah. I think her first scene with peter in class where she's like you need to be checked after a concussion that's a fun scene that's like mm-hmm. good banter you know i like her what's your name you don't know my name oh i know your name i need to make sure you know it <laughs> no like that's funny stuff that yeah you know she she plays it well yes i enjoy pretty much everything that she does in this
2: movie i agree also i'm an emma stone stan Oh, sure, yeah. absolutely. absolutely. Emma, if you're listening to this, um, I'm available. Just uh, you know, email the show or individually, whatever, however you want to do it. I'm here, just hanging out. Yeah.
1: Um, I want to put a pin in the mystery box point that you made. Okay. Uh, I would like to talk about that uh, probably when we get to the mid-credits scene. I think that would be just, we should talk about that
2: then. Putting a pin in it. Got it. All right. So Spider-Man heads to Oscorp, injured by his... Uh, police shooting and the father of the boy he saved on the bridge sees him on the news happens to be working and assembles all of his other co-workers who are near other cranes and just sitting
3: in cranes at night like why and they
2: they assemble a swing isn't New York already a swing route right already he's never had trouble (laughs) there's buildings before That's the point, is he can swing using the buildings. Right, they
3: say we need the New Yorkers support Spider-Man scene because Raimi kept doing that, and then like this is what they came up with. Exactly
1: what it was, I think.
2: All of this accompanied by some fun music, and as the resident expert on sounds, the lady sound, Angela, Mm -hmm. we would like to know your feelings on how triumphant music ends up being underwhelming. I'm actually actually excited about this.
0: I mean, I don't know if better music would have even helped this movie because this Peter Parker and Spider-Man don't deserve better music, <laughs> But yeah, so I just felt like the score was just so just not memorable, boring, didn't add anything to, you know, it didn't make you feel anything. And and it really should. I mean, that's the point. And And it's crazy that the guy who composed it was James Horner. Rip um, who is an academy award winning composer he did Titanic and Avatar Braveheart American Tale like he did he's done so many films and a lot of his music is iconic and is does make you feel things and can really convey love and tragedy and all kinds of things really well and in this movie maybe it was just an easy paycheck I don't know like it just Maybe his heart wasn't in it because it just didn't, you know, whereas the Elfman score and his theme for Spider-Man is so epic and emotional and it gets you excited about Spider-Man. And and so does Michael Giacchino's um, theme for Spider-Man as well. I think I like Elfman slightly better than Michael Giacchino's, but I love them both a lot. Yeah. Um, and I feel like both of them also were really good at establishing actual themes for the villains too. And this movie just didn't do any of that. Like I could kind of pick out the theme he had for Spider-Man, but like right now I couldn't sing it back to you. Like I couldn't tell you what it is. That's how unmemorable it was. <laughs> yeah. I, that's really it. I mean, it, that there's not a whole lot to go on and on about with it, but I just, I felt that was really disappointing and, something that maybe could have elevated the movie maybe could have made me feel a little bit better about the movie than I did. Cause you know, there've been crappy movies that have gotten really good scores and, you know, you find that the score, uh, well, the, what comes to mind is like, you know, even though I defend the star Wars prequels constantly, I am one of the first to say how bad the writing was. And, you know, I, for many years have shit on uh, Hayden Christensen's performance in those uh, the second and third movies. And especially his love scenes with Padme are just so cringy, um, both in how they're written and how they're acted. But John Williams' theme for their love story, Across the Stars, is so gorgeous, Mm -hmm. so epic, so iconic, so memorable. That it elevates that love story, despite how bad the the dialogue is and some of the acting. Like you know, it really transformed their relationship. That you still cared about it, and you it still really meant a lot. And it was tragic the way things ended up in Revenge of the Sith because of the music. Um, so that's what's disappointing when a score is not memorable. That's what's so disappointing about it, and because it could have added more to a film that really needed the help.
3: (laughs) Yeah. On my rewatch, I was trying to pay attention to the soundtrack because I realized I have no memory of it. And as I was listening to it, it just felt very vanilla, very Mm -hmm. understated and not really a part of the movie in any way. Um, Spider-Man's theme is, is, I don't know. And you're better at this. So as I was listening to it, I was so excited you were going to be on the show because I knew you would handle this well. Um, because I don't know how to put into the right words, Spider-Man's theme just feels almost too fluffy. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the words I'm looking for, but it doesn't feel like a dramatic hero theme. It yeah. And the whole movie just feels like it's just kind of there, like just bland, boring filler music instead of something meant to set the film apart. And then another yeah. one I had, they use a lot of current um sort of alt and pop high school radio music in this film that some of it are some of them are good songs but they end up making this feel again very different from a superhero movie feeling more like a high school movie in a way that both dates it and kind of makes it feel off uh yeah i it just feels lazy i don't
0: yeah I'm kind of glad the Raimi movies saved those kinds of songs for the credits. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Didn't have them in the actual movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think Peach, you said this either before we started recording or I don't remember if it was during recording already, but you said how you can't remember a time in the movie when there isn't music going on and how there's music just kind of happening in the background for no reason. And it doesn't really add anything. And I completely agree with you. And That's what's so, you know, I mean, I could go on for hours about my love for John Williams and his music, but he, the Star Wars films are basically like space operas. Like you could, you could listen to those movies just through music because there is almost constantly music going on in those films, but it's music that matters. It's music that drives the story. It drives the emotion. It, you know... It tells the story in and of itself. You don't need the shitty dialogue on top of it to tell you what's going on. Whereas, as you pointed out, there's a lot of constant background music in this movie, but it doesn't do a thing.
2: I feel like a bobblehead because ever since y'all started talking about this, I have not stopped nodding. (laughs) (laughs) Same. In agreement. That's how I felt as well. You know, like, I, I don't have too much to add other than it just feels like, you know, you're... Have you ever, for any reason, had to search the internet for, like, free sound clips? It feels like they searched the internet for free movie themes, and they just <laughs> found one. That's what they, I was trying to say. That and they idea. put it in the movie, and it doesn't have anything to do with Spider-Man. They're just like, oh, we don't have to pay for this one? Tight. And they just, <laughs> right. boop,
3: they just booped it in the movie. That's what it feels like. Yes, that's exactly what I was trying to get at. Also, for the record, I would like to do a podcast where Lady Sound just talks about John Williams for hours. Okay. twist her arm
2: alright well Gwen attempts to get to the antidote or get the antidote to Spider-Man and is intercepted by her father who tells her he knows about Peter and takes the antidote himself now what he says
1: is your boyfriend is a man of many
2: masks I understand (laughs) which what what just just one mask bro yeah Spider-Man and the lizard then fight on the Oscorp roof when the lizard gains the upper hand and taunts Peter over the deaths in his family, again weird, Captain Stacy arrives to help, saying he's not alone. Uh, Peter leaves to replace the lizard serum with the antidote, leaving George Stacy alone to be killed by the lizard. Sad. Spider Man starts to fall from the skyscraper as the tower collapses and is rescued by Kurt Connors with the last of his lizard strength. <laughs> <laughs> the last of his lizard <laughs> As the antidote sets in. I love the look on Lizard's face when the device shoots the you know the gas grenade into the air, and the lizard does not yet know that the antidote was swapped out, Indiana mm-hmm. Jones style, and the look on his face where he's just like oh no, it's Christmas. And then it's blue instead of green and he's, you know, immediately disappointed. Take that. Also, I feel like that giant tower falling
3: down to the street and Spider-Man, just, you know, the guy with super strength and webs, although I guess he doesn't have webs at this point, but I feel like that's... um. Oh, that killed people. That's That's dangerous. And we just yeah. like, hey, there
2: it goes. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I thought about that too. I was like, you made a point to show Peter saving all of the people in their cars from going over the bridge in that earlier scene. And now this giant slab of building is falling toward people in their cars because we can see the cars on the street. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should try to do something about that. Uh, Anyway, Parker tries to help captain Stacy and he tells Peter that the city will need him, but to leave Gwen out of it because the people closest to him are going to get hurt. And as... The prophecy has foretold. Peter promises to do that as Captain Stacy dies, which was a lie. Peter does not go to Captain Mm -hmm. Stacy's funeral, rude, and is confronted by an emotional Gwen. He tells her that he can't see her anymore, and Gwen figures out that her father must have made Peter promise to stay away. Peter then listens to the last voicemail left to him by Uncle Ben, saying he loves him and he is his hero. real quick kind of emotional too yeah i I actually like that also
3: just in case one listener has this same frame of references i do i grew up what i don't know if you guys know the eyewitness books um Mm -hmm. but they had eyewitness vhs tapes and those were british and they had a british narrator but in the u.s and i had all of them they were wonderful they were these tapes about nature and, and and um animals and all this stuff they were narrated by martin sheen and that was a massive, massive part of my childhood. And so listening to this voicemail just makes me feel like a child watching the eyewitness VHS tapes. That's uh, an incredible frame Aww. of reference. And I mean, yeah. I mean, really takes me, the way he's delivering that voicemail just sounds like he's talking to me about coral reefs and sharks and the layers of the jungle. And <laughs> um, <laughs> they were fantastic. And he was a fantastic narrator. I just wanted to bring that up just in case one person uh can email us when they go yeah me too
2: we need we need a cut of the end of this movie where peter's listening to the voicemail and instead of telling him that he's his hero he's like did you know that coral reefs (laughs) are made of skeletons (laughs) uh and Uh. the movie ends with gwen and peter are seen in school peter is late for class sits behind her and tells her that he is gonna break her father's promise. Cool.
1: So there are a couple things about this scene. One, bold move when people were already criticizing this movie for being a very fast reboot. I think up to this point this is the fastest of film franchise that had ever been rebooted. It was five years, give or take. Mm-hmm. And he walks in as the English teacher is saying, Some people say there are only ten plots For stories in the entire world. (laughs) I'm like, okay, yeah, let's talk about that, shall we? Um, (laughs) Second of all, Peter is a jerk twice here. We've already talked about the promise thing and how that just leaves a horrible taste in your mouth. But I also feel like Captain Stacy saying, leave Gwen out of it, does not mean I'm dying. She's going to be sad. Ghost her, please.
2: Right. Right, there is my funeral. There is a,
1: a happy medium of we can continue on as friends, okay. and I will continue to care about you, especially at this time that's going to be very hard for you.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like your father's funeral.
3: Mm-hmm. Also, and, why and, does he yeah. make her figure it out instead of tell her that your dad said I can't date you? I promised your father that I will not Peter's, date. Peter's okay, but,
2: to be fair, Peter's really good at that. Like the whole not telling Harry, yeah. hey, I didn't kill your father, by the way. Right that is consistent. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: Uh, but half of Spider-Man's problems could be fixed by him saying, "Oh, by the way, here's why I'm doing this." Mm-hmm. Um, um, also, they put this on Aunt May. You notice that where okay. she's like, "Peter Parker, you are a good man. Uh, why don't you ask her out?" <laughs> you know, so so really, they're they're making the, they're pinning this on Aunt May, and I don't like that.
3: Well, and that seems to be what you're, we're supposed to take away from. He listens to Uncle Ben about, you know, Peter, you're my hero. Come back home and our the way it, the film is edited maybe this isn't their intention but the way the film is edited makes it look like Peter takes uncle Ben's speech about his being his hero and come back home not about now go be a superhero who saves the city it's about go ask that girl out even though you promised your dying father you wouldn't like <laughs> uh, that sounds just like uncle ben
2: ah uh. <laughs> it's terrible a pretty credits your computer. See,
3: this is Go why you need this is why I need an MCU, <laughs> Uncle Ben, just to wash some of this taste out of my mouth. No assent, offense to Martin Sheen.
2: Yeah, but what if he's bad? Uh anyway. Credits! And then, mid-credit scene. We're doing it. We got a mid-credit scene. A shadow, a very confusing one. A shadowy figure approaches Kirk Connors in prison and asks him if he told Peter the truth about his father. Here is the pin that we have placed. <laughs> let's talk about this yeah
1: then lightning flashes and the guy disappears i don't understand anything leave (laughs) the boy out of this i don't understand any of this so much of this movie i begged the table so hard that the camera moved and i'm sorry i'm already mad at myself for having to deal with the thump that's gonna come when i'm editing this later um oh boy um so much of this movie, and even more so Amazing Spider-Man 2, is them saying, oh, this franchise is going to go on for years. We're going to have spin-off movies. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. So they spend so much time setting up stuff that they have no intention of paying off in this movie. And I think we talked about this last week a little bit, where there, there's nothing wrong with planting the seeds for future stories. But when that becomes the goal of your movie as I think happens with Amazing Spider-Man 2, but starts here. You forget to make a movie, you're not going to get a chance to make your sequel and pay off all these storylines that you're setting up. So there is an art to setting up future storylines that they completely ignored in this movie. Uh, and And you're right, Robbie, I hadn't thought of it before, but it's the mystery box approach, which is not always a bad thing, but you have to have some finesse with how you pull it off and they did not.
0: It's interesting you say that too because earlier Robbie was pointing out how this movie is very the storyline's very insular where it's mostly just about Peter and Gwen and the lizard. Mm-hmm. Um and they don't really try to shoot off into other storylines and yet at the same time they're throwing in all this random mystery box shit. So mm-hmm. like they're just it's weird like that they you could argue oh they stuck to one plot line and that's that's what they should have done you know good for them but at the same time they threw another stuff like peter taking photos you know and it just didn't feel mm-hmm. like it was done right or done well it just felt like it was thrown in because hey he might need to work for the bugle at some point in a future movie yeah.
1: That is exactly why I said interesting when he brought that up. Yeah, that was, I was like, oh yeah, because at the same time, they're like, also, Norman Osborn, you should wonder about him. Peter Parker's parents, you should wonder about them. Mysteries abound.
3: And and it feels like it's not... It feels like a mystery box where they also didn't even know what they were setting up. Like, it's like, uh-huh. we'll just make this this creepy prison scene, and we'll figure out what it means later. Uh, go ahead and spoil it for me. Do we figure out what it means later? I don't even remember. Okay. Uh, according
1: know. to Wikipedia, this character is called Gentleman and is from a series of novels so, and was later introduced into the comics.
2: So but he's but not I think, even... He's
1: not, I think he's he's not he's even just, important? He's Norman's assistant or something like that.
2: Who can I disappear into lightning. Robbie,
1: Robbie, would you like me for me to spoil... How Amazing Spider-Man 2 handles its credit scenes? Okay. The mid credit scene is a preview of X-Men Days of Future Past. What? Because (laughs) Mark Webb had a deal with Fox. And in order to make Amazing Spider-Man 2, he had to break his contract with Fox. And Fox's terms were, okay, you're going to advertise our new X-Men movie. So it's a scene of Jennifer Lawrence storming a camp in Vietnam or something like that.
2: Wouldn't she be mystiquing the camp? Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> now do you oh know Oh my
1: god! There's okay. more. There is more. Um there is a song that plays over the credits of Amazing Spider-Man 2. I believe that song is um by, is it Beyonce? Um,
2: to the left, to the left.
1: Oh, gosh. I, I forget who it is.
0: On your left, on your left. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, here we go. I'm just going to look at the Amazing Spider-Man 2 soundtrack. You know, it it doesn't matter whose, whose song it is. Because what matters is that the way that you get the tease for the Sinister Six movie that they're setting up, Is while you're watching that movie in theaters and that song is playing, you had to use the Shazam app. Stop. And it opened up a video. Stop. That just showed (laughs) a couple objects that belong to various Sinister Six characters. So there's like a hunting knife or there's a backpack. I remember seeing the the
3: Dr. Octopus arms.
1: Uh Uh-huh. So to get the tease for Sinister Six... Uh, which was supposed to have been directed by drew goddard uh, um you had to shazam the song that played in the credits and that is how they handled that because they had just turned their time over to fox for the
2: x-men <laughs> Oy. oh my god okay yeah. all that being said though about amazing 2 is that even though this is confusing as hell, it seems like they did the post-credit scene in this one correctly because they were trying to be like, hey, here's some future stuff. But the problem is they had already put a bunch of future breadcrumbs in the movie and this just didn't make any sense. It was Alicia Keys and Kendrick
1: Lamar, by the way, not Beyonce. I apologize.
2: There was nothing we could speculate about this post-credit scene because we didn't know who that man was. And all it was was Connor's being like, "Leave the boy alone."
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know why that voice happened. I, what a what a strange post-credits. This movie ending.
3: feels it feels like when one of those things when like your friend sees someone else do something good and they're like, "Oh, I'm going to do that thing," but they just <laughs> they don't know how it works and so they just screw up. Like that's what this movie feels like. It's like, oh yeah. All this, and we're going to get to the how this. Fits wait, 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 wait. Let me say
2: the thing then. So, okay. how does this yeah, compare right. to the MCU? Okay, you right. Good call. Good call. I forgot that was next. <laughs> Keep going. Now
3: it feels like they looked at, and this is this is very early in the MCU, but it feels like this look at this is what works in a superhero movie. Look at these new superhero movies that don't have five minutes of credit crawl at the start. We're going to do that, and it's like also Twilight, and then and it's like they just botched the whole thing. It, it, it feels like just trying with maybe no not good intentions trying with corporate intentions to create mm-hmm. a product that you have seen but not understanding the root not understanding well your credit scene still has to have you have to know what you're doing with your credit scene even if you don't reveal that to the audience yet you've got to know what the point of the credit scene is no we don't just man in the shadows it's good we got yeah. it Got this, I mean, got they
1: this. were trying to Nick Fury, but when Nick Fury showed up at the end of Iron Man, even if you don't know who Nick Fury is, even if you don't know what the Avengers are, mm-hmm. you get, oh, this is the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., this, this organization that's been referenced a few times in the movie, he's the director of this, and he wants to talk to Tony Stark about something interesting.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That leaves you wondering, okay, you have enough context there in that scene without any need for outside knowledge to get like, alright, uh, this is building up to something interesting. I, I wonder right. what that is. And if right. you do know, the are like, holy crap, the Avengers. Whereas right. this is man in shadows with a hat going, did you tell him about his parents? I right. didn't. Good. I'll vanish now. Don't do it! The It's right.
2: Palpatine. It's being yeah.
1: mysterious for the sake Somehow of being... Somehow Hat returned.
3: <laughs> right, it's being mysterious just for the sake of being mysterious. It is intentionally being it's hard to understand because they don't understand it themselves. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching it. I'm thinking this must be some Spider-Man reference that I don't get. So I'm going to try and figure, fill some gap in my knowledge or maybe figure out and never did because there mm-hmm. was not an answer. It, homecoming. See, Peach, this is how you get me to talk about homecoming. You make me watch this movie. This is how I'm going to say <laughs> positive things about You're homecoming. You're welcome. Which hey, or the rest of listeners, I do like homecoming. The long con. <laughs> Um Homecoming does this very well with how it has Matt Gargan in the post-credit scene or the mid-credit scene. Mid-credit scene. But that one gets you feeling, "Oh, Scorpion." And yes, they didn't use Scorpion in the second movie, but that post-credit scene is still setting up something like, "Hey, remember Matt Gargan's out there?" And that's something that if you are not a Spider-Man fan, you at least know what's going on instead of Man in Shadows disappears. If you are a Spider-Man fan, you absolutely like, "Oh my god, setting up Scorpion." Or you you look it up because you don't realize it, and you just Google Matt Gargan, and oh, okay, cool. Um, even with it doesn't have a payoff, that one works. Yet, yet that one works very well.
1: And it also it does have a payoff in the context of the movie itself because yes. it has his vulture refusing to mm-hmm. give up the information about
2: Spider Man. Absolutely, this is. I f- I find this comparison interesting because um like i don't know that i have a lot to add i just think that it's interesting because we talked about how this movie came out in 2012 which means five mcu movies happened before this movie Mm -hmm. and it kind of feels like they didn't take any cues from what are mostly considered successful like origin films Mm -hmm. um but maybe they didn't have a reason to i just had to google this so uh, sorry for all the keyboard clacking. I thought I muted my microphone. But I didn't realize that Avengers... I did realize it also came out in 2012. But I didn't realize that Avengers was May 4th, 2012. And Amazing Spider-Man was July 3rd, 2012. So it's not like they would have had time right. to go... Yeah. Wow, Avengers was wildly successful. Maybe we should mold this movie after some of the MCU films. But it still mm-hmm. feels weird that there were four years of other in-universe Marvel content and they didn't seem to... Right. It it just didn't have the same feel. Right. That's weird. Especially when you think about... Almost
1: every other attempt at a shared universe. Mm -hmm. Most of them have fallen on their faces. There have been a couple that have been successful. No
3: patience. Lack of patience Mm -hmm. to let your product... Captain America um, First Avenger is setting up some stuff for the MCU. But it is a self-contained movie on its own. It is not about and this movie is less so than the sequel from what I understand. But yeah, yeah. it is not about worse. it is not about setting up the Spider-Man universe entirely or, or the, the, the MCU, sorry. Not about setting up the MCU entirely. The Tesseract is in there. There's some other stuff in there. But it is a movie on its own. This movie is trying too much for one movie and just just missing the mark so much.
2: So uh Well, who y'all give an MVP to? Oh wait, we got more. Angela, keep going. Well,
0: I wanted to say something that's kind of outlandish and maybe just playing to Bailey in particular. (laughs) Do it. I was gonna say, you know what fits better in the MCU than this movie, The Social (laughs) Network, and let me tell you why. I was thinking during (laughs) this movie, there's a point where. I don't know if it's Gwen asking Peter like why he has to go after Lizard or something like that. And he says, I gave him an equation. And I'm thinking about how Eduardo Saverin, which is Andrew Garfield's character in the social network, gives Mark Zuckerberg the equation that he needs. He writes it on their dorm window that he needs to set up that face mash site. And it basically is the impetus for everything that follows and I was thinking about how much more because I like Andrew Garfield I've realized I've spent a good chunk of this uh, podcast like shitting on his performance but I think a lot of it largely was not his fault it was the writing and the direction that he was given because I fully enjoyed him in social network I thought he was kind of lovable as Eduardo and he was you know you felt bad for him. You, you wanted him to kind of get the upper hand over Mark who was being a little shit, you know, and, and his big speech at the end is when he really lets it all out <laughs> at, at Mark um, is great. And I just felt like that the character that he had in that film and kind of how he grapples with, kind of the monster he created essentially in Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> and dealing with the fallout of that. Um, and then, you know, through this lawsuit and everything, trying to take him down, you know, by the end, I just thought that was an interesting kind of, I, I realized really out there parallel, but a lot better done.
2: Where, where do we put movie. the, where do we put the social network? If we're watching in timeline order, <laughs> <laughs> All right, MVPs. Angela, keep talking. Start. We're starting with you.
0: Okay. Um, I chose Gwen because there was really no one else to choose from, in my opinion. Um, and we've already gone on about Emma Stone being great, but you know, I love her. I think she is really good in everything that she does, and she's just a joy to watch. She's got a great personality. I wish her character had better writing and like more to do, but I did appreciate the more that she did get to do than Mary Jane got in the Raimi trilogy. So I appreciated that at least.
3: I agree with every word Angela just said, every single word. uh, And it was easy um, to pick Gwen Stacy for this. That said, this is again, not an Emma Stone uh, comment, but I think the fact that Emma Stone, that, that Gwen Stacy is the clear MVP of this movie is part of what is a problem with the movie
2: um but peach this is an emma stone comment please call me um i also (laughs) i also think it's gwen i like big shocker we all like gwen stacy here uh i don't have too much to add i just you know i like emma stone i like the role she played and as we've talked about um the peter parker spider-man uh douchebag equation and how he flattened that curve but in a vertical way uh (laughs) <laughs> I don't really think there's much competition, Chris.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be Gwen Stacy for me too. I feel bad that it's almost by default because every other character has at least one glaring flaw that takes it away from them. So I, I that's not a, not the fact that Emma Stone does a great job with this character. You know, I, I, I don't want that to take away from the fact that she's really good as Gwen Stacy, but it is. Again, almost by default, because everybody else kind of sucks. <laughs> so, yeah. R- regardless up... of the performances that they give, the characters suck. So
2: The next runner-up, to is Ben. And then after that, yeah. it's like a huge gap.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bar, I, com- I completely agree with yeah. that.
2: Um, okay, episode ratings. I will start because apparently I am psychotic. Um, <laughs> despite the fact that we said a lot of negatives about this one. And I actually just did lob half a point off. (laughs) I do think that this movie has like a bit of fun to it, but it also has more seriousness, which is what I was missing from the Raimi trilogy, Spider-Man movies. It was, it, those movies ended up being more comedies than anything else, just because of how dopey most of the characters were. And so I liked that there were moments of seriousness, um, and overall, I still enjoyed this film. So I gave it seven deguena stations out of 10. <laughs> Chris, t- uh, take it downhill from here.
1: Yeah, I thought about giving half a point higher than what I'm about to give it. I thought about giving half a point lower than what I'm about to give it. There is enough at the beginning that I like to to help me give this not a completely negative score, but there's so much that I don't like that brings it down. So I'm going to give it 5.5 mouse lizards out of 10. Uh, Robbie, how about you?
3: It seems to be a theme to lop half a point off of your rating as this episode has gone on, and I think, and I did the same thing. I started thinking this is basically an exactly average movie, neither terrible nor great, Um, just literally in the middle. That said, from talking to you guys, especially about our hero not being a hero, uh, I lopped off a half a point and ended up with, I believe, the lowest rating I've had for a film on this podcast. Uh, 4.5 chocolate houses out of 10.
1: A record that will stand for one week. Uh, <laughs> Angela?
0: Well, um, watching this movie was basically two and a half hours I'll never get back. So I gave it four <laughs> menstrual cramps out of 10. Because, of course, that's the kicker, like the ha-ha moment of Gwen thinking, what can I say to get my dad to go away i know i'll talk about my period because men can't stand it when we talk about periods right
2: and he handles it exactly as you don't mm-hmm. want him to <laughs> yeah all right well let's do our let's do our spider man if i ever
1: have a daughter and you listen to this that's not gonna keep me away i ain't scared
2: <laughs> i'm gonna deliver you cocoa damn it yeah don't pretend right, you don't t- like hot chocolate. Let's do our, our Spider-Man specific movie rankings. Robbie, go ahead.
3: Uh, I assume it is not a shock that it is at the bottom. As I was re-watching the... So I would say before we started this, there was a chance it was going to be ahead of Spider-Man 3. Uh, I would say when I came out of the theaters, it may have been ahead of Spider-Man 3. Um, as I was watching the beginning of this movie, I thought it might be tied with Spider-Man 3. But as I got to the end of the movie, as we discussed it, it's at the bottom for a week uh this is the worst spider-man movie to this point in our watch chris
1: yeah everything you just said that i at the start i was like maybe this movie is better than i remember maybe i was being unkind to it because i was mad that sony was making a mad grab for power to hold on to spider-man and keep him out of the mcu and the beginning of it was all right and then peter started acting like a jerk and he just got worse and worse and worse so Thanks to jerk-ass Peter Parker, uh, this is going to be the bottom Spider-Man for me for now. Uh, how about you, Peach? I
2: <laughs> I think this is the last time I'll say this because Amazing Two is just going to be such a trouncing. Uh, I just I can't get over how much of a neck beard toby Maguire, peter parker is i can't i cannot move past but how how is he this is. peter parker any better he's no 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 no. <laughs> don't get me wrong he's bad in a different way but i still think that uh, he's just you know toby mcguire has a bubblegum shrine in his closet and i can't look past that so i have uh you know all the mcu stuff is first spider-man 2 then amazing spider-man then Spider Man three, and then Spider Man one. To be fair, so weird. To be fair, the last three I just said are all ranked seven. I gave them sevens, so seven. I seven. I might toss them around at any given moment. You know, I, I want to point
1: out that this Peter Parker has a rear window poster hanging on his wall, <laughs> which is about a creepy man who can't stop looking through a lens at, at the at the pretty lady he mm-hmm. likes. So,
2: well, t- why
1: uh, he's the same.
2: Can you what you?
3: I think okay. is interesting. These Peter's okay. Parker are the same. Yes, correct. Also, Angela. real quick. Oh, well, real quick before Angela, I just wanted to say, Peeps, it's really fascinating that through our MCU rewatch, there were some blips, but for the most part, you and I were lockstep in our rankings. Um, and then Spider-Man rewatch, it's like we're watching different
2: movies. <laughs> Angela, it won't be. It won't be next week.
0: First of all, why? Why you got a shade? Helga Jeep, Pataki like that. <laughs> with the bubblegum shrine comment. It's, it's creepy. Crazy. One of the greatest characters up. to grace the TV screen. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with a bubblegum The greatest.
2: Sia sang about her.
0: Anyway, since I haven't been on the other Spider-Casts, I'm going to run through my raking real quick. I have Into the Spider-Verse top, which I, you all do too. Far from Home second, which I think most of you have up there as well. Then Spider Man two, then Homecoming, then Spider Man one, then Spider Man three, and then this
2: one is dead last. Twins, man, I love I love that ranking. All this Homecoming hate.
3: That's not hate. No, no, no. <laughs> Homecoming
0: fourth, but like it's I not... still really like it. It was hard for me to put it even that far down because I did really enjoy. I like it more than Robbie does.
2: It's not hate. I'm just, I'm being a I'm being a Andrew Garfield Everyone likes it more than I do
3: and that has been manipulated into Robbie hates homecoming. Not (laughs) Robbie likes homecoming less than everyone else. Well,
2: if Robbie didn't hate homecoming, we wouldn't have to bring it up. (laughs) (laughs) But I think (laughs) I think that's gonna wrap it up. Wow. I sounded just like Eduardo there. (laughs) Listeners, thank you so much for sticking with us through our Spider-Man series. We've got one more episode of a non MCU Spider-Man movie to go. So please stick with us as we try to make it through amazing Spider-Man two in the next episode. And then of course we've got Loki coming up the week after that. So keep your ears out because we're all really excited about Loki. And I don't, I don't know how we could have timed this gap in between any more perfectly. Um, But Hey, if you want to support the show even further, Remember, Patreon's already always out there. So, assembly, or uh, I'm sorry, Patreon.com/slash assembly required. You can tell I don't do this very often. You're doing Thank great. Thank you to our Avengers level patrons, Brian and Riley. If you want to email the show, you can email us at squaduppodcast at gmail Nope. What? Nope. You can. Is that not but right? Assembly can, required. But...
0: Cast at gmail. Oh man,
2: that's the one that I sign in on things. I'm so sorry. I mean, you check te- <laughs> You technically can, but you should probably uh, email assemblyrequiredcast at gmail That's that's the better one. If you want, if you want to reach out to us individually, you've got the Lady Sound, uh, Phil Kid Three, Gator Sax Twenty Ten, D underscore Peaches, ABCD Eduardo One. I know he's not here, but you you can you know still drag out. him for is amazing spider-man episode. opinion yeah. <laughs> yeah we gotta know this is a call to you eduardo we want to know how you how you rated this episode too so don't mm-hmm. don't skimp out and not watch the the movie okay uh, and of course we're on facebook and twitter as well but that's gonna do it for this episode of assembly required uh and i believe i now say we love you 3000 bye everyone
1: excelsior
2: so get him tiger Should I also say boobily boobily? You should
1: absolutely still say boobily boobily. Boobily boobily! Ball flies into the stage, smashing the Harry Potter statue into a million pieces.
3: Wait, 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 wait what? What did you tear that statue down for? What? That old eyesore. The shit he's been getting too many complaints about that thing. We had to make room for this—a new statue of Spider-Man. If I if I'm being replaced by Spider-Man, I, I guess I can live with that. <laughs> yep,
1: Andrew Garfield, love him.
3: Wait, what? No, no, no.
1: No, Toby, Toby McGuire. <laughs> oh. You know, to, to, Toby M- McGuire, fucking Spider Man.
0: Oh. You mean from uh, those old movies? Yeah, I saw those once.
3: Who was the bad guy in those? That uh, green gremlin guy he had the little uh, robot wormies on his back. Could turn into sand. He had the, the, the
1: thing on his thing. Yeah, that was pretty cool. You know, they
3: did all of that with computers. You know what? I take back all those bad things I ever said about Spider-Man 3. Sam Raimi did the best he could, given the circumstances. Studios (laughs) breathing down his
2: neck, that idiot Avi Arad making him put Venom in in it. It's like,
3: Sam did so much
1: good. And in the end, everybody threw him out like he was yesterday's garbage. Hey, come on, kid. They're just movies. Take it from me. A professional monument destroyer and rebuilder.
0: You like Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, but this, this Andrew Garfield Spider-Man is
1: gonna mean a lot to a lot of kids with bad taste.
3: (laughs) But one day I'll come and tear him down, too, if I get the contract, God willing.